Series 197, XM202, the virus. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. show on a Friday. Um, already, well, see, what are you already mumbling like the alcohol child for? Because some um, things got thrown? It's one of those days. Now, I'm not a person that is a stickler for how things go at work. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the uh, after ONA show is cutting in the run of Fez time, I just about had it. Um, I see everyone's running around trying to get stuff together. Fez, you've thrown two sets of headphones since you've been in here today. I see Zito's doing the alcoholic daughter thing, trying to clean them up off the floor. What's going on with you? Well, the first pair of headphones that should be checked out when the studio's set up is uh, didn't work. So I went for another pair of headphones, which fell apart in my hands. Well, there's become a problem in setting up the studio because, uh, from what I understand, Sam is pulling back the curtain that had Zito mad yesterday, and then the intern said... I'm told to cover up O&A signs. That had uh, people upset. So it's become a world of tension. And you won't even come into that show, not so much because of Sam, but because of someone else that's hanging out in the room. Because of Roland. I didn't want to say. All right. What I did, my thing, was like this. I was trying to keep it like, hey, no one knows exactly what Ron's talking about. But it's gotten that bad now, huh? Yeah, I'm just avoiding. I just, um... I, I'm just going to stay away. If that's what Roland wants, I'm just going to stay away. All right. Well, it's nice to give him what he wants. I always say if there's a bully, give them everything he wants. This is what my mom and dad used to tell me as a kid. When there was a bully and they want money or something, give them the money. If they, if they want you to drink out of a fucking puddle in the street, drink out of the puddle. It's the only way to deal with bullies is to give them exactly... Uh, what they want now um so your idea fezzy was why can't the sam after show and at 10 minutes of give your guys a chance to flip the room yeah exactly and do it correctly and make sure everything's working get a chance to test out the equipment Switch right. the phones over. Make sure everything is working. I don't think it's a lot to ask. No, you know what? Normally I say to you, Fez, you're blowing us out of proportion, but I can see where you're coming from. And 
the weird thing is, Sam's saying to me today, hey, let's go a little later. This is fucking fun. We're riffing. We're having a good time. I got caught up in it. Mm-hmm. I got caught up in it. Um, all right, we will uh, get our show started, even though you're not happy with your headphones. I see a half of one. Uh, setting there. Yeah, just whatever's left of uh, the last pair that disintegrated. Mm. Um, here's uh, Mike. Mike, you're on a fez. I have an Ichiban for you, Ronnie B. What do you say, buddy? Uh, the great Rob Cross dropped in on the Ron and Sammy Sweetheart show today. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the Ron and Sammy Sweetheart show, uh, which seems to be catching on with the young kids, young demos. They're loving are it. Are loving it very much. And now... We never know who's going to drop by there. Yesterday, Ant drops in. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, Ope drops in. Rob Cross swinging by. It's become that hip hangout spot. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's looking good. But now you don't get to test everything that you need to have tested, move your stuff in. And you said that the interns feel intimidated when they do it now because as they come in, uh, they will be pointed out. Oh, yeah, because they try to come in as inconspicuously as possible. They try to set up as quietly as possible, but then they're immediately called out as soon as their face is shown in the door. And that drives you crazy. Who's the head of the interns right now? Who's the general? Gabe is the general. Uh, Send Gabe in to me, would you please? Gabe, get the fuck in here. Um, I'm going to talk it over with Gabe, Fuzzy, because if you're upset, then guess who else is upset? Ronnie B. Uh, Gabe? You know that Fez has desires for how the show should go. Yes. Fez means the world to me. Guess what, Gabe? What happened? You fucked up, and you fucked up from the last time. Tomorrow, Friday, is your last day. No. If I see you back, and I'm fucking dead serious, if Ron. I see you back in here, I will, ha- I will, seriously, I'll have security remove you. It's fucking, uh, this can't fucking be keep going on like this. Chris. I tried to fucking train you like a fucking intern ninja, and you keep fucking it up. See, that's the problem. Ninjas aren't even Americans. Why can't you treat them like something that's American? This fucking kid doesn't speak Japanese. I think Actually, he wants to. Actually, I am studying Japanese. Right, let's hear a little bit. Uh, What's Japanese for? Friday's your last day. Don't be in here Monday. Okay. There you go. Fucking Perfect. put that in your goddamn opium pipe and smoke it. Done. Done. I'm sorry, Ron. Fez. You don't have to be sorry. Apologize to him. Fez. No. You know what? Apologize to the fucking door on your way out. Because that's it, Gabe. You fucked up and you fucked up too many times. So, Fezzy, look. Yes. Not that there's anything special today, but that's how quick... I'm going to turn your desires, your fantasies, into reality. Thank you. That was instantaneous, and I loved every minute of it. And that, you know, I'm willing to fucking take on the guys at the, at the top. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to take on the interns. Yeah. The yeah. fat cats who are just swinging around here like they don't have a care in the world. Fucking entitled. And Brian, let that fucking be a lesson to you, or else you'll end up like Gabe. That's right. Not even allowed in here after Friday. Mm-mm. All right, Gabe, until that time, make sure you get some of those pretzel rods down here. Oh, that was the other intern from yesterday. What was his name? That was Sandy. Sandy, the uh, strange intern. All right, there goes Gabe. Beat it. Last day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
tell him to the other side of the door, not the front of the door. Konnichiwa, motherfucker, or whatever. Konnichiwa, what's that mean? Is it I think it's like goodbye. I don't fucking understand the Japanese. I always thought that was sayonara. Whichever. Sayonara. I think that's a type of sushi. Mm. I'll tell you this, they haven't invented a sushi I don't like. I don't know what it is. Matter of fact, if you want me to dislike fucking fish, start and cook it. And then I'll be like, what fucking stinks and tastes awful? Oh, fish. Bring it in raw. Fucking fantastic. I'll fucking bite it on the bottom of the boat. Uh, by the way, uh, I got forced into this uh, thing by Hicks last night to oh. see a movie. I think it's called Shark Turd. Uh, no, it's actually an adorable <laughs> movie for kids. It's about the little girl, Bethany Hamilton, who mm-hmm. gets her arm bit off. And thanks to her belief in Jesus Christ, um, she can still surf. She, per- she perseveres, Ron. She can. But uh, and, a, and it is a kid's movie. It's a family movie. Um, Carrie Underwood plays her spiritual guide. Oh, cool. But here's the, here's the thing. And, and actually, I got this from Eastside Dave who told me he hates any movie if you show the real person in the last scene. Uh-huh. And they all do this thing. Yeah. Last year's I Lost an Arm movie. At the end of it, you're not looking at the star of the movie. You're looking at the, the guy the who dude, yeah. lost his arm. Oh. So they're showing this. So Carrie Underwood is, she basically paid Carrie Underwood like, Jesus will see you through this. Mm-hmm. You know what? God has a plan of his own. I just don't know what it is. And, you know, whatever you say about Carrie Underwood. And A, I, I do think, very beautiful woman. I disagree with sewing the v- vagina shut, not using it, oh. but a very beautiful girl. So at the end of it, they show the real Bethany Hamilton, the real dad, the real mom. Uh, then they show the real Carrie Underwood, 450 pounds. And I was wondering, <laughs> if you're a 450-pound woman, right? And they go, oh, we got somebody to play Carrie Underwood. Is that like, yeah, you know, Carrie Underwood's going to be here. Are you like, yeah, or people are going to bust my balls when they act like that's Carrie Underwood. So talk amongst yourself about that. Um we will get the show uh, started today. Here is Steve. Steve in Atlanta, you're on my face. Yeah, it's uh, the Queen's birthday, and I'm glad to see that she's being finally treated with the respect she deserves. It's a beautiful thing. She's got headphones. Uh, the Queen uh, of England, it's her birthday today? I'm not aware of that. Um, here's uh, Jacob. Jacob, you're on the Money Face show. I have a presidential trivia Ichiban. Uh, presidential trivia. It, it is Al Gore's birthday today. Oh, it is Al Gore's the uh, president who was never elected, or whatever the joke that he uh, loves to do about that. Um, let's go over here to uh, Kenny. Kenny, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, we also have another special birthday today. The one and the only, Spanky Frank. Spanky Frank, happy birthday to you. Uh, Jay, you're on the Running Fez show. Yeah, hey, uh, I was calling because um, it happens to be my birthday today, and uh, I'm a big fan of the show. was hoping Fez could wish me a happy birthday. It's Jay's birthday today, Fez. Happy birthday, Jay. I hope you have a good one. All right, uh, Rich in Long Island, we won't be taking your call as per Fez's um, wishes. Huh. Come on. Sorry, Rich. Um, and no playing of any songs. That was also part of the deal. Mm-mm. Nothing. Um, here's Raul in Los Angeles, California. 
Hey, Ronnie, I got your Ichiban right here. It's opening day, and I've got Dodger tickets, Dodgers-Giants. Um, opening day, well, actually yesterday was opening day, although we are supposed to get some snow tonight. But I don't know if there's a better thing in sports or any sport that it's such a big deal of opening day. It's a ridiculous amount of excitement around it because you have spring training leading up to it. It's even, spring training is even more exciting than probably the preseason of football because no one gives a fuck about it. Yeah, that. no one gives a fuck about, the, uh, about preseason of football. Everyone cares about this. And the weird thing about opening day is it will outdraw the other games for the rest of the season. It's crazy. Like, no one could show up to... Any other fucking game all season. Let's say, like, the fucking Miami team, the Florida Marlins. And yet, opening day will sell out. Yeah, people want to be that first day. So it would almost be like if the Giants opening game, they got 480,000 people, and then the rest of the season they go back to 70,000. But opening day almost doesn't have to even do a lot with the sport of baseball as much as it does... Winter's over, spring is here, summer's coming, it's opening uh, day. And this is a time that, you know, opening day for the Yankees. This is the first year there hasn't been excitement on the show. There's no Eastside Dave, there's no Earl, those are real baseball guys. What am I talking about? They've got their their fingers on anything that's fucking happening, pop culture-wise. They can tell you who's pitching here, there, whatever. The rest of my team is sitting around. As I'm talking about opening day, I saw one of the guys... Shaking his head no. And I'm like, where is Dave? When is this thing going to fucking end? I get that we're all not on the same page these days. But what would it take for me just to get a, a little bit of that back? Oh, I care, Ryan B. Um no, I know you do, but you, you can't be you can't be everybody. I could try. Um Larry, you're on the run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie, it's little Jimmy's birthday, little Jimmy Norton's birthday today as well. Happy birthday, Jimmy. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Mike in D.C., you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Ron, nobody takes uh, opening day more seriously than NASCAR. Those fuckers go crazy. Uh, that's the Daytona gimmick? Yeah, Daytona 500. You know what's really funny? That's the only race that I watch all year. But I do watch the Daytona 500. Every year I put on the Daytona 500 and I'll be on out. Oh, we're going to do something for the 500? And then I don't know what happens the rest of the season. Oh, fuck the rest of the season. And yet, there's a, that's a perfect way. But Daytona 500 does mean to me, football's over. No more football. The 500 starts. Hey, guess what? You're going to look at some warm weather. And then things are going to start getting warmer around here. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, that, during the 500, I'm normally talking about spring training. That's nice. Um, now, I had a, a major prediction that the Phils would go 162-0. and 0. That's not going to happen. Just found out that they're probably going to go 161-1. and 1. So, fuck it. Um, here is uh, Cliff. Cliff, you're on Running Fez. Hey, buddies. Hey, it's a big day today. Birthday boy is Angus Young, ACDC. Thunderstruck! All right, let me uh, ask you a question about that, Fizz, because I've always thought of you as someone who's a marketing guy. Okay. You're a man who loves a live read. Sure. Uh, and you're like, give me a live read. You've turned even your comedy pieces into extended live reads now, where you sit there, you got the papers in front of you, off you go, you're doing them for a minute. It's a lot of fun. How has no beef company picked up Angus Young as their spokesman? You think this, they're either a hamburger chain 
like, you know, we only cook the Angus young, you know, and he comes fucking jumping out. Steel burgers or something? Dirty deeds and the you know, whatever the fuck it takes. It doesn't fucking matter. But why hasn't somebody put that together? You could be the type of guy who puts the corporation with the celebrities, and that equals what? Profits. Right. Money, Cash money. Happiness. Is Angus Young American? No. No. See, there's the problem. Doesn't matter, though. The meat companies want to push good, old-fashioned American beef. Well, what American celebrity have they ever had? Uh, James Garner. Is that right? Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, during it was during their uh, it's what for it's what's for dinner campaign I believe. When, when did this even take place? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, I think this was in the early 2000s. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know James Garner was still alive. Yeah, James Garner's still alive, and you know they went and got J- uh, Rockford Files, and everyone thought, "I right, that's American. He's American beef." Um, although I've heard, I hear from a lot of people, Argentina has better beef than America. I hear it time and time again. Uh, maybe that's what we ought to do. Sell them down there in Argentina, Angus Young. Um, here's Jack, you're Ron Fez. Uh, hey, Ron Fez, what's going on, boys? Hey, I got an Ichiban for you. Ichiban. Ichiban. Hey, uh, it's supposed to snow over a foot, possibly up to 18 inches up here in Vermont tonight and tomorrow, and uh, the whole ski snowboard community is twitching for an April Fool's Pow Day. Woohoo! I've got a quarter of Kush, Kush I just picked up, and uh, it's going off tomorrow. Get your asses up here, skiers. Woo! You, you know what? You don't sound as excited as the noises that you attempt to make. Um, At least fucked up. So. We're actually supposed to get some snow tonight in the city. I hear from people in Jersey, oh, eight inches. And then I heard today in New York, oh, the snow won't even lo- uh, lay. We're going to get snow, but no accumulation. So I don't know who to believe anymore. It's fucking April. I can't believe. But we always do get a spring snow. It exists, Hicks. I don't like it. What does it matter whether you like things or not? Uh, well, don't, I don't like that- tsunamis, but I can't fucking stop them by what I agree and don't agree with. It matters to me, though. No one said it didn't matter to you. The point is, there's something coming. I don't think shit's coming. I, think, I don't think we're going to get a fucking cold rain. That's what's going to happen. All right. So there you have it. There are, In New York. There, there are people who are meteorologists, <laughs> and there is guys who have wants and desires, and they um, base things on that. Now, from what I understand, Jersey it will accumulate nothing in the city. Who knows? It's bad for you, Jersey. Um. Let's go over here to Cam. Cam, you're on my face. What's up, fellas? Yeah. Uh, it's not James Garner anymore. Now it's Matthew McConaughey, who is L-I-V-I-N, the beef commercial life. I haven't seen that either. Um, I still think uh, Angus Young would be uh, stronger for this. Todd, Cleveland, you're on my face. Hey, buddies. Uh, also, the beef boats for dinner is still going on. I just heard a commercial today with Sam Elliott, you know, the guy who did, like, uh, Doomstone. All yeah, he's a perfect uh, pitchman for beef, no doubt about it. Uh, but I still think, I like my Angus Young, I think people would just fucking go wild for that. Hell yeah, and throw some ACDC music in there, they're going to blow up. 
It's going to blow Were up. Were you up drinking last night? No, because I, you're I having was, trouble talking to I me. fucking, I fell asleep at 10 o'clock, and, and I had more sleep than I've had in weeks, and I, I feel war whacked out. It's like, like sleep isn't good for you anymore. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yeah. Well, you haven't really come back from South by Southwest. Well, you're back. still, spiritually, you're still down there. Um Fez Watley, you and I, and I think Zito both brought up to me this story about all the people who work together by their tickets uh, for the lottery together, and then they all hit. Yeah, it was, I believe, a group of seven, I think it was. They hit for the New York lottery, the Mega Millions, mm-hmm. $319 million jackpot. Oh, yeah. All right. So I think they're getting about $16 million each after taxes. But there is one guy who plays with the group and said he didn't feel lucky when they came to him and said, do you win, do want, want in on the lottery pool? How much were they putting in? Um, I'm not sure how much each one put in. We're gonna f- uh, we're supposed to find that out today when the employees reveal themselves. Right. So, But I think if the guy was playing every week... Mm-hmm. And he opted out. I think they should still cut him in (laughs) on a share. I think they should still give him something. Not a $16 million equal share, but they should still give him something. Why why should we tell them what they should do, though? Well, In in other words, this is a business deal to me, right? uh Uh-huh. Everybody's in on a business deal. He decided not to go in on the business deal. So now he gets the profits. I don't think there is a businessman in America that would agree with that. But he was in on the business deal every other week. And then he stopped. That's the fucking point of it. I mean, he helped support their efforts in different weeks. He didn't help support their efforts. He fucking invested in a business deal. It's not a matter of helping to support somebody's efforts. If this was anything else, would you... This is why people go through this fucking lottery money so fast. Because they act like it's not real money. Yeah. Like, oh, give some to my cousin. Give some... What? If if you fucking... If if you had some kind of um, pancake restaurant. And suddenly your pancake restaurant fucking took off you wouldn't be like i want to buy my cousin a house i want to you know what i mean you would be treating it like it's real money for some reason with this lottery money you act like it's not now if it was all the guys here work together right right and we all put in money yeah and one of the guys didn't you would then come over to me and hicks you should give this guy who didn't put in part of your money yeah i would say why don't we give him something because he played every other week well, with look, us. It, well, here's the point. If you want to give someone something with your money, you have every right to do that. But to come around to other people uh-uh. and say, hey, not fucking with my funds. let's all give this guy some of the money. No, you have your money. You have your $7 million. <laughs> You want to crack off $2 million for him. That's your fucking business. Right but to ask everyone else is frankly rude. It would almost be like saying... You know, we're so blessed with this money. Why don't we take 10% of it and give it to the church? <laughs> no. If you want to give money to the church, that's yours. I see it as the guy did not make the business arrangement. He fucked up. I'm going to give you this. Pete Best was with the Beatles, right? Right. He is was out of the band before 
they hit big. The rest of the guys have like a billion dollars. No one's ever reached back again. Pete Best some oh, money. No. He fucked up. He didn't stay with the group. You got to stay with the group. See, I think it would just be the friendly thing to do, taking the business deal part right. out of it. If Here's the thing. How many people have we worked with over the years? We work with, like, Fast Daddy, Flipper. You ever see the? We see each other on a daily basis. Once you don't work together, you don't fucking hang out together. You don't talk anymore, right? Right. Yeah, that's very true. That's So what? The, don't confuse that friend thing. You can be friends all you want. But why would you go back into somebody else's money who made the correct investment and said, now no one would stop you if you said, hey, I want to turn around and give Malibu Mo $3 million. Go ahead. Do it. You fuck. You'll be out of money soon. But I think it's wrong to walk around to everyone else and say, we need to pot up $3 million for this dude. I think it's wrong to even ask. I think it's crazy. That guy fucked up. Now, that guy should probably kill himself. I mean, if I were him, well, I, that's the only thought going through my head. I think that's what I'm worried about. That would be on him. Yeah. Then why wouldn't you feel bad for everyone that you never let in it from the beginning or who had never thought of it? I'm sure there's some secretary going, I would have loved to have been in with this with you guys. But I will uh, tell you something right now. My, I had a brother-in-law who's been playing the same stupid fucking number for like 30 years. Oh, don't do that. That fucker's never hit for $500, 200 He's never gotten anything. Having your numbers is the craziest thing in the fucking He world. has dumped money for over 30 years, and he plays it religiously. And he's never said, hey, did you hit? I uh, I hit for a couple hundred bucks. Fine, at least that's better. Nothing. <laughs> he's never seen a... This is like fucking lightning hitting. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else. Just quick pick it. Here's uh, Paul, your manifest. Hey, what's going on, buddies? Yeah. Hey, man, life sometimes sucks. You know, it, it friggin' you can't sometimes. you can't plan for something like this. But I mean, uh, just exactly what you're saying. You don't. You're not going to give this money to this guy. I mean, you're part of a pool each week. He decided not to participate in it. It, it sucks, but I mean, the bottom line is you can't you can't just expect to all put money together and give it to him because he decided not not to play. I mean, um, it's the weird thing about it, Fez, is there have been times in my life that I've known people who said, hey, we're all going in on this investment. We want you in on it. I've looked at investments before. Sometimes I've gone in. Sometimes I haven't gone in and seen the deal torpedo. Other times I see the deal shoot up. I kick myself in the ass. But I never go back and think I deserved some of that money any more than I would think. Hey, you guys want to be in on that? Y'all lost your money? Let me give you some money because I should have lost some. I mean, wouldn't that be fucking insane if I did that? It would be yeah, crazy. Yeah. This, this is nuts. simply a business deal that... Now, here's the other thing. Has this guy's life changed because he didn't fucking play the lottery that week? No, he still has the same job. Right. So he's nothing has happened to him, right? Even. Nothing negative... Other than the fact that now he can sit around and be jealous that his friends hit. Yeah. Now, I, gar I guarantee you they are going to give him something because people like yourself will go, well, you give your friends something, and <laughs> it's going to be worth the PR to them to fucking throw this guy some cash. Um, but it's fucking seriously fucking wrong. It's seriously crazy. They have no real obligation to the guy. 
I mean, that they, he didn't fucking throw in. Not only that, yeah, I think that the guy who goes around or even reporters saying, here's what you should do with your money, I, I find that uh, fucking rude. Um, no thanks. I, yeah, I really don't get it. I don't know why um, they would even bring it up. Bruce Sherman says. Yeah, Ron, the guy said the reason he didn't play is because he felt like he was unlucky. Isn't it fucking the the week that he doesn't play is the week he didn't the the, the motherfuckers hit? Yeah, maybe he's he right. The jinx, they won. He don't get a fucking dime. Um, yeah, maybe if had he thrown in, that would have thrown off the fucking number system, and it wouldn't have hit. But here's the other weird thing: there, when you do hit the lottery, and it gets these kinds of numbers, and it's big, and everybody knows about it. Do you know that those people have to change phone numbers, oh, yeah. move, and all because people fucking target them with you got blessed and maybe now you'll bless me and you'll hear stories like my fucking daughter has this or my son is you know horrible sad stories and i'm sure true but is it now their job somebody who hit big to go around and just hand that money out I mean, it's crazy when you think about it. And it happens to every one of them. This guy had a chance to get into a business proposal. He did the smart thing by not throw his money in because you've got a next to fucking zero chance of winning any money. So there's not a business fucking venture group that wouldn't say, hey, smart move. You cap your money, you're going to do something else with it. It just so happened it didn't turn out that way this one time. Yeah, random chance. Now, having said that, if you wanted to take half your money in the group and fucking give it to him, I wouldn't have any beef with it. But to go around to the other six guys and say, you know what, you ought to peel off a million, <laughs> I could easily tell you people in my fucking family that could use a fucking million, that I'm going to see a lot more than this fucking guy. I guarantee you this, the six guys that are all friends... They're going in six Uh-oh. fucking direct, different directions. They're talking about her again. Yeah, yeah they you, won't see him anymore. No, even each other. <laughs> You're going to fucking break up like you just robbed the bank. Fuck out of this shitty job. <laughs> Peace yeah. out, assholes. Fuck you. I'm in Hawaii <laughs> smoking fucking dope and and fishing every day. Um, let's go over to Anthony. Anthony, you're going to fuss. Hey, my sister is broke as a joke, but she will only play the lottery once it reaches over fifty million. As if her dollar is too good to win twelve million. Yeah, it's always funny. I noticed that, but I do the same shit. Like I'm not a lottery player, but then I'll go like this. I just saw a fucking sign. You know, it's over four hundred million. <laughs> shit, <laughs> we could use that kind of cash. I play the low on low yeah. payouts too. I bought a ticket for fucking the twelve million dollar payout. Didn't win dick though. But when you buy it. What do you feel? I feel somebody's got to win, and this could fucking be me. This could be it. This I, I get this money. It's money in the bank and almost. Even if you're not a gambler, when you buy that lottery ticket and you go walking out of there, you're thinking, I want to remember some of this because this could be the last time that I'm some fucking scumbag. I mean, you are <laughs> buying a fantasy. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely. It's like this is the last dollar in my pocket. This will make a great story when I fucking cash in. Now, let's suppose he hit that $12 million, right? Uh-huh. And if I said to him, dude, I'm the guy who fucking believed in you and no one did. I put you, you should seriously think about giving me a half a million. That, wouldn't that make me a scumbag? That, that, yeah, that, yeah. I don't see the difference between that and the other guy 
deserving money. You could always walk around and say someone you know deserves something. It's fucking crazy. Now, if I was one of those people who played the same numbers every week and somehow the clerk gave me the wrong numbers, I don't change them out. I think you get wrong. You might get wrong numbers for a reason. Could be just the opposite. But again, you're into this new thing now where you believe man has no choice. We are all the puppets on God's string, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So we don't make any choices at all. No, we're just uh, we're just on a course. Why are you so hard on yourself then and call yourself names? Since it's really not your fault. Or let's face it, it wasn't the intern's fault that the headphones weren't the intern that I fired. And Friday will be his last fucking day. Finally. And if I see him in here, I will have him arrested. And then the cop that arrests him, yeah. I will also have arrested. Jesus. That's how fucking bad this goes. Going deep. Because I don't play fucking games. Good. No. Sick of his shit. Um, but you really, why are you hard on yourself since really none of this has anything to do with you? God has just gave you a bad part in the video game of life. That's all. You're just a ped, a pedestrian, a background player. Um, look who it is. It's the Radio Shark. Hey, you know the guy you're talking about who didn't go into his friend's lottery pools? Yeah. It's his birthday today. What could be sadder? Um, it's Maybe one of those things. Thanks, Radio Shark. Mm. Let's... Uh, Let's talk to Green Eggs and Scram, Fezzy. The Scrambler out of Chicago. Men's Fright and a Lady's Delight. What's up, Scramster? Hey, Ronnie. Um, Scram Daddy. My, uh, my wife, Mrs. Scram Daddy, her uh, grandfather was good friends with Ray Kroc. And uh, he, uh, Ray Kroc wanted him to go in on McDonald's. And uh, my wife's grandmother, she uh, didn't want him to make that investment because she didn't know, you know if it was uh, going to pay off. And... No one ever resented her. No one, you know, there was just like, you know, tough luck. It's a good story. That's yeah, all I, it was. Yeah, and, and we all have things like that. I'm telling you right now, I could have picked up a fucking lot on the beach one time for $60,000. And I'm like, eh, this is the skinny. And it wasn't like 10 years later. It was a million fucking Fuck. dollars. Everybody has these fucking stories. Yeah. Everybody could. All you got to do is go back to your hometown, look at a couple of things, and go, who knew? What? Who knew they were going to put that there? <laughs> I had the opportunity. So you don't know. I mean, that's why it's speculation. It isn't speculation because, like, oh, no one could do this. Some, you know, you do it, you give it a shot. Sometimes the timing doesn't work out for you, sometimes it does. Um,. Let's go over here to uh, Paul. Paul, you're on Hey, what's up? Hey, um, Fezzi, how is it that you think you have no autonomy over your life? That just it seems ridiculous to me. Well, I think you try to be a good person, and that'll, you know, hopefully keep you on a good course. Well, obviously, but I'm, you're saying that you have no control, that everything's predestined in your life? That, that makes no sense. And who is this person that's, you know, basically controlling everything that you do? Now that's God's plan. Oh, you have on, gone guys. so you far, are, though. You, you, were, you are way more intelligent than to think that there is some supreme being out there that's kind of dictating what... Come on, Fezzi. Well, I'm just... This, I'm, this is all new for you, too, right, Fez? Yeah, yeah. Well, you used to feel this way when you were younger. Yeah, yeah. Then you thought it was a dark, soulless universe. Yep. And now you're back to... We 
don't play anything. Now, the whole point of you try to be a good person so things happen, I don't think it could work both ways. I think it would either be there's a plan or there's not a plan. You act like only the big things are planned. Well, I think that if if God has a plan for you, if you're on a course, then you need to, you know, try to stay on that course. I don't even understand that, though. That uh, Either you're in it like a slot car or you're free to go around everywhere. I don't know if there is a course where – because that course would have to be full with other people who, depending on our, or whether or not they're on the course, doesn't make a gigantic amount of sense to me. I think it's got to be totally one way or totally another way. I don't think that occasionally – uh, an outside thing would come in and, and start to change things around. Uh, Christopher, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Fez, uh, yeah, I mean, that kind of got me on a sore spot, too. It's to say that you don't have control of your own fate is, in a way, decrediting you as a human being. I mean, technically, you can go outside and you can jump out a window, and you have full control of your own life right there because you said to yourself, I'm jumping out the window and I'm going to die. You can control everything part of your body, and there's nothing in this world that could tell you whether or not you can or cannot do. Everybody has a choice regardless of the situation. And I think it's, it's really decrediting you as a human being of, of really not being able to choose. Everyone has a choice to succeed or to I, die. We'll let uh, Fez have his point there. But it feels better for you that it's not your choice, right, Fez? Is that how you came to this conclusion? Right. I well, mean, you didn't come to this conclusion. This conclusion was came to for you. Yeah. By who? Uh, God. All right, so God changed your mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt I feel differently about things since my father passed away. And, I didn't even know he did. Oh yeah, yeah. A few weeks back, and um, uh, what and what I think is is that I feel I have to have faith in this that I know I've got like a lot of problems and everything but I think I'm going to gave you those problems but I feel like I'm going to come out of this and that's my destiny to do that and I have to have faith that this is all happening for a reason right but in the same time the, the same person who's going to take you out of it put you into it yeah but see but then why would that have you like that guy it would be like this I am so proud I'm so happy and blessed that the kidnapper um, put my head underwater and drug me around because later he unshackled me and let me out. I don't think that you would feel like, hey, that kidnapper saved my life. You would be uh, pissed at the kidnapper. Uh, we're going to come back to this later. Uh, uh, is the person coming in on time or is it still happening? So uh, I don't know how we ended up with this guy coming in and do our show. But apparently, Archie comic books. And uh, we did see Eastside Dave yesterday. And uh, Archie was his all-time favorite comic book. Yeah, forever, yeah. And he actually said he would be sold that he would have to hide the comic book while he was buying comics because even comic book guys thought that he was a pussy. <laughs> Which I didn't even know that they had that. Hierarchy? Yeah, I don't even think... <laughs> I'm a cool comic book guy. You're a pussy comic book guy. So the other comic book guys, they would be getting X-Men. Yeah. And he was getting, you know, Archie and Beetle Bailey. Uh, well, the guy whose um, father started Archie Comics, um, 
is coming in. John Goldwater actually started it, and he was the former CEO of Archie Comics. Um, so John's dad started, and he's still involved with the business. The father passed away, the, but the, the son is still involved. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, he's yeah, and he's um, involved in Archie Comics. He's CEO, yeah. Oh, he's the CEO, the yeah. guy who's stopping in? Mm-hmm. They have a new comic character, Kevin Keller. He's part of the gang. He's gay. Now, do you have a picture of him? Is there any yeah. pictures online? Yeah, right I can get a good look of Kevin Keller. Um, right, he is gay. There's no fucking doubt about it. Yeah. But don't you think that Reggie from Archie was also gay? Yeah, a little bit. He was a little fabinous. He was very effeminate. He's a metrosexual. Gay. A metrosexual is gay. That's gay. So I wouldn't doubt it if uh, Reggie, Reggie Mantle. Now, I honestly think that if you look through, I think Batman and Robin are gay. And I mean, I'm not the person who came up with that. It's a well thought of thing. But uh, a guy doesn't run around at night in tights. Let's face it. He's got a secret and a secret identity that he doesn't want his elderly aunt to know about. So when he's with her, he's like, anything I could do for you. And at night, he's putting on spandex. Violent. Going out. Yeah, kind of an S&M. And then who does he hang around with? Hey, you're my partner. A younger lad. Uh, under 18. A young little acrobat. Oh, Thank you. Boy. Spinner. Mm-hmm. Spinner, if you will. So that comes across... As gay. I'm going to give you another one here, and I might be going too far. I always found Yogi and Boo Boo a little gay. They fucking, why are these? Again, you got the perfect top, the bottom. So subservient, the little Boo Boo. Yeah, like, what can I do, you? And Boo Boo, what is that from? Like a bruise, like a bruise. Like He got pounded so hard, he's got a Boo Boo. If you want to get in on this before the Archie guy shows up, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. And um, just because that we are, you know, saying this doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. I'm not sitting around judging any of these comics, any of these cartoons. Mm-mm. I'm just saying, why are we making a new big deal out of Kevin Keller? They're gay. Hicks, you said you you had a comic strip you thought was gay. Yeah, I had a, I have a few. Well, yeah. first one, I always thought Wonder Woman was kind of like a lesbian. Lesbian, yeah. Sh- definitely, definitely. Lesbian. And from a lesbian tribe of lesbians. Yeah. A lesbian dominatrix is basically what we're talking about here. Yes. Whip and just dominate people constantly. And when the whip, they could do whatever she told them to do. There's a tremendous amount of S&M that exists in the comic trade. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Um, Super lesbian. And also, I thought, always thought Professor X was kind of gay. Surrounding himself with young teens and constantly try, searching them out. And he's a teacher and he's like crippled, so maybe kind of a complex inside his So you think brain. a lot of people that have handicaps are probably gay? I don't know. No, I mean, just, he I'm came up with it Professor that way. X. I think Professor X would be gay, just can't act on it, because I don't know where his paralysis is. Yeah. Ted, you're on the run of Fez show. Frustrated. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, what about R2-D2 and C-3PO, the cutest gay robot couple of all time? Um, They do seem gay to me as well. Yeah. Now, I don't even know... Well, whoever the taller British one is. C-3PO. I got no sphere. British is gay. And I fucking... It's all effeminate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could go... 
the Stones are even gay. I mean, when you look at them. They're pretty men, I they guess. They are. Well, they're ugly, but pretty <laughs> ugly. You know what I mean? Like, it's like so ugly that it's kind of it pretty. the other way. I've yeah. always felt Jimmy Olsen was gay. I mean, there's... That's Superman. Yeah, there's no bigger man crush in comics than Jimmy Olsen on Superman. Uh, there's no doubt there. And, and, exchange, and, you know, and, he, and Superman gets some gifts. But Superman, oh, again, another person, secret identity. I have a secret I'm keeping to myself. And there is a thing, I even think, with Clark Kent that he loves being pushed around. Oh, you definitely. I mean? So there are a lot of bottoms, I think. He gets off on it. That once they get to a certain point. Now it's time for me to ju- get my nut. They jump up and start to fucking hammer that super cock home. Oh. Um, uh, Chris, you're on running Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, Peppermint Patty. Uh, really low voice. Like to be called Sir a lot. Just throwing it Oh, out. yeah. Definitely lesbian. And, you know, you- the comic strip world has been way more open to lesbians. Because like, I think gays get away with a lot in life. Um, where you can do the fake gay thing. Like, everyone acts like they don't think... The WWE is gay, but uh-huh. everyone kind of already knows that it is, and they've even had their own amount of scandals. So that kind, you know, uh, weightlifting. Mm-hmm. A lot of gay guys are hanging around gym rats and stuff. Oh, it was wrestling, uh, but not not always a place like that for the lesbians. Um, but in the world of comic strips, they're very much welcome. Jim, you're on Fez. Yeah, um, not a superhero, but cartoon characters, uh, Pinky and the Brain. Instead of trying to find my pussy, they're always trying to take over the world. Now, so let's really think about this with Pinky and the Brain, because one was a genius and the yep. other insane. Why would you hang around with someone stupid unless to fuck them? Yeah, just control them and do whatever you want with them whenever and whatever you want with them. Are you just dominating them? And doing terrible things. Well, Why is it terrible. terrible? Not terrible, but you know. Um, Chris, Chris, you're a run Fez. Ronnie B. Yeah. Hey, man, how about the ambiguously gay duo? Now, oddly, I thought they were straight. And I watched Saturday Night Live pretty much religiously. And I always had the weird feeling that they were straight. Here's Kate in Cincinnati. Hey, guys, how are you? Good. Hey, I'm calling to defend Yogi Bear. He had a girlfriend named Cindy Bear. All right, let's get into this right away. Why is it a matter of defending? You're immediately saying that you see gay as somehow bad. I don't see... You know, this Kevin Keller thing, I think that you're finally saying what's true in comic books, cartoons, comic strips, which we've all known for a long, long time, is that there's a lot of gay... Uh, characters in it. Um, so I don't see this as I want to defend. Mm-mm. I'm not judging Yogi no. for pounding boo boo. No, it's what they do. Yeah. It's a big deal. They're out in the woods. And I always thought like boo boo was almost like code for cum cum. Really? Uh, Bruce, you're running Fez. Uh, hi, yeah, I just want to tell you guys about Ren and Stimpy. Uh, I, I used to love it on Nickelodeon as a kid, and they were always kind of ambiguously gay, but when the guy got a chance to remake the series on Spike afterwards, he actually did make them gay. The, the clips on YouTube are hilarious. Oh, they're an old arguing gay couple. Wait, a gay couple's argue? 
Uh, no, they, not all of them, but the, these are like, uh, you know, like old fuss budget guys. I don't know what that means, fuss budget. They're, they're both, you know, it's uh, the Ren and Stimpy are going to argue. One's going to get no. angry at the other one constantly. No, let's go back. What does the term fuss budget mean? I've never heard it. That you're fussy. So you're the, a fuss the, budget? Yeah, that you're fussy or, or why cranky. Why don't, why don't they get put on a fuss budget and then they have, only have so much crankiness to go around? I've uh, never heard the, the term fuss budget. I think Lucy from Peanuts gets called that. A fuss budget? Yeah. Who Fuzz, I think could also be gay. Fuzz uh, Lucy? Yeah. Um, no, because I thought she was a cockham. Oh, that's true. She does like Schroeder. No. Um, Who's gay? Jordan, you're on my fuzz. Erotic fuzz. The first. You got a bunch of guys, well... Maybe they're asexual. You got a bunch of guys running around and you got one female smurf. But, you know, I, it is something that they only have the one female smurf. But never to have anyone have a conversation of where's the pussy in this town? Or are we all going to fucking tag team this bitch? Yeah. You know? It's very odd. I don't know about anybody else. I got blue balls. I needed fucking, you know, I think we can start talking train. Yeah, really. Get on that train. But they don't even, and then you're right. And then you're right. But no one even has that conversation. No, they're always happy to be Smurfs. Uh, Sean, you're on a fez. Hey, switching it to bestiality. What about Calvin and Hobbes? Oh, a lot of piss jokes there, right? Uh huh. A lot of yellow fun. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Even that tiger. So fucking very, very strange. Uh, Jeremy, you're on Fez. Hey, guys. How you doing? Yeah. Uh, I think the two old conjurers there in the Muppets up on the balcony, the hecklers, they were definitely talking. They're, they're fuss budgets. See how quickly I can use a new word? But they well. were like old gay fuss budgets. A, uh, a gay guys that argue with each other are called fuss budgets. Yeah. That's right, Fez? Yeah. Never heard that term before. No. I had heard fu- uh, fussy for like a baby, but I didn't even know that a uh, like an, an adult could be fussy. I think you have to be a senior citizen to be a fuss budget. Sounds like you're just cheap. A fuss budget. It does. It's like you're fussing over money all the time. Um... Let's go over here to uh, Darren. Darren, you're on the Run Fest show. Hey, buddies. Um, two things. One, on the Smurfs. Smurf Act was originally a guy in Gargamel turned into a female. It's one of the older episodes. And then second of all, there's a uh, Marvel Comics, two characters. One, North Star. He's a Canadian member of Alpha Flight who's openly gay. Well, openly Canadian, that's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then there's also a Wild West character called the Raw, I think it's the Rawhide Kid, which is an openly gay character that came out in 2001 or 2002. Um, the Rawhide Kid? Yep. Jesus. I think I saw those before when I was a kid. He was like a, like a cowboy, but I never thought he gave off a gay thing, although he was very tiny. Yeah, when they re-released him, they made him gay. Interesting. Um... But, you know, Canadian guys seem kind of gay. Like the kids in the hall, when they actually said, 
Hey, one of our guys is gay. I went, just one? <laughs> they all seem gay. Effeminate. It's just, there's a weird effeminate. Lauren Michaels seems gay. Oh, yeah. Um, go throughout all the great uh, kind of sitcom guys that have come out of uh, kind of sketch comedy guys. They're all somewhat effeminate. Without a doubt. Strange. I don't know why. What's wrong with that? What's happening with that country? Well, again, you say wrong, like there's something wrong with it. I don't necessarily... There's nothing. You, you know, and I don't want to be a fuss budget with you. And I feel like I am. <laughs> um, Greg, Marilyn, you're on Run of Fuzz. Hey, guys. I have heard the term fuss budget. I'm just wondering how old Fez is. My grandmother used to use that one. Uh, what about Selma in Scooby-Doo? Fezzy has a lot of older references. Um... And maybe that's where they came from. Do you know where you heard the phrase, Fez? I probably heard it from my grandmother. Mm. So you like to keep those going on? Call the fridge an icebox? It's a, it's happened before, yes. Uh, Fez Watley here. And you would uh, read this Kevin Keller comic strip? Oh, totally. Yeah. Comic book. Um, I, uh... The strapping young man, this Kevin Keller. Well, I mean, you can make someone attractive just oh. by drawing them. Well, I didn't think of that. I think it's kind of weird with the blonde hair and the weirdly dark eyebrows. Oh, now, at the same that... time, blonde eyebrows, to me, and you'll see it in movies, mean evil. If a person yeah. is a blonde on blonde, to quote Mr. Bob Dylan, he will be the bad guy. But heavily blonde and then dark, that normally means you bleach blonde your hair. And that's not... A... Well, yeah, he's definitely a dye job. He wants, he wants those wavy blonde hair locks. Mm. So what you're saying, you know, Hicks says that there's a blonde walks by the other day. And Hicks says to me, do you think her pubic hair matches the drapes? And I go, why are you going to use a half a fucking metaphor, you fucking fuss budget flunky? Well, I'm just saying uh, that, uh, listen, I don't get those things wrong uh, Hold on, Fez. Here's, one, here's Pete from Buffalo. Pete, you're on my Fez. What up, buddy? Yeah. Uh, it's not fuss budget. It's fuss bucket. I've never heard fuss bucket. Or the other one. I haven't heard either one. No, fuss budget. Fuss that you can fill an empty bucket. Not fuss budget. You don't want to Yeah, why would there be a fuss budget? Now, come to think of it, like Hicks had even come up with, a budget normally means this is the money I've set aside for. Have you set aside your fuss? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know why budget is in there, but it is. It's not fuss bucket. That sounds too much like puss bucket. Oh. <laughs> yes, it does sound yeah. like puss bucket. Fill a bucket because, full of but pus. you have that because it makes sense. Yeah. Although you wouldn't have a bucket full of, of fuzz, would you? Or fuss. No, because fuss is like an emotion. How can you. F- but it's not even an emotion that a, an it's adult a- has. Like, only a baby is fussy. Well, yeah. You never you say... Can't, you can't take care of yourself, right? right? Like, yeah. I would say that, like, Hicks is angst, uh, like anxious or antsy, but I wouldn't say he's fussy. Oh, he's so fussy. That's something like a fucking baby is. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this. I tried to ask him. He left again. I, I guess he went to get John Goldwater. That's right. He's grabbing Johnny Goldwater. Uh, and some of you folks... Um, Feel comfortable. I wouldn't even mind hearing from anyone who's negative about this, negative or positive about uh, Archie Comics going in this way. I don't see it as a big deal, though. Do you, Hicks? No, 
No, I, I look forward to reading Mr. Kevin Keller. You'll actually read it? Yeah, I'll take a shot at it. Yeah, I used to read a lot of comic books when I was a kid. And you read Archie? I, I they, It was like, a, maybe I get a grab bag. I was like, what the hell is this? Archie, okay, all right, I'll give this a shot. See, I would also read Archie because I had an older sister. <laughs> so my older sister would, my brother would get, and I had much older brother in the summer. We don't... I don't know what was weird about my parents. We could only read comic books in the summer. Really? Yeah, because it was like a beach <laughs> oh, okay. tie-in. Uh, you don't do that in the winter. You should be reading your school books. Well, I ain't going to fucking read that. Yeah, um, but I'll get to that later because we got to bring in John Goldwater. Uh, he has got a mini series coming off the Archie comics. And it's Kevin Keller. <laughs> Comes out June 14th. Go to archiecomics.com and uh, we'll check it out. Here comes John Goldwater. Oh, honey, honey, you are my candy girl, and you got me wanting you. Honey, oh, sugar, sugar, you are my candy girl, and you got me John Goldwater in uh, studio with us. I think you know that tune, don't you, John? Is, That's a uh, big hit for the Archies. We sold 15 million of those records, Ron. 15 million. 15 million of those records. And then the follow-up single was Jingle Jangle, and that yeah. sold 5 million. 5 million. And yeah. nothing sells 5 million today. That's I crazy. Mean, yeah, That's Lady Gaga could numbers. Yeah. You know, Lady nuts. Gaga is big, and she sells like a couple millions. Yeah. We, we don't have that kind of mass culture anymore. Uh, and again, Archie comic books were. When did it, when did the comic book series start? There's a great question. This year we celebrate our 70th anniversary. 70 years. Yeah, it's amazing. So we really look at us. We're, we're our our readers are seven to 70 years old. So we're really cross generational. We got the kids, the moms, the grandmoms, everybody. So Have you ever talked years. to somebody who like was in their late 70s, early 80s, and said, "I read the first one, and I've been keeping up ever since." I mean, have do you have a 70-year-old customer who's been there with you the whole way? Absolutely. Yeah. We have people. This is part of their lives. It's mm -hmm. the fabric of, of their being. They remember it from childhood. Mm -hmm. And you know when you have something that's that important to you as a young person, it stays with you forever. Right. So, yes, we have all these people who grew up with Archie as part of their being, as part of who they are. Now, we got talking about this because you've added a gay character. Yes, we have. Kevin to, Keller. Uh, Archie. Yep. And... There's a lot of stuff that's happened in comic books for you that kind of felt gay anyway. A lot of the superhero stuff feels somewhat gay. Mm. Uh, so it's not completely shocking, but Archie is, I guess it's about as family-oriented as you could get and still be a comic, right? I mean... There's That's nothing. exactly right. I mean, we live in the world of Riverdale, mm -hmm. and Riverdale is a safe place. I mean, I don't want to say it's Disneyland or Disney World, but it's a very special place. Uh, and we introduced a, a new character, a new dynamic into Riverdale. So that character, this is this is basically you guys saying this is a safe thing. Is this isn't going to be some kind of Stunt casting where, oh, we'll get rid of You're saying a gay kid is just as Americana as 
as Archie is. Yeah. I mean, basically, when we came out with the initial uh, issue of, of Kevin appearing in, in the Veronica comic, mm-hmm. people did ask us, is this a stunt? Is this a one-off to try to get sales? Right. And the truth of the matter is, we did sell that issue out. It was a phenomenal success for us. But it's not a stunt. Kevin is here to stay, and we're introducing Kevin now in his own comic coming out in June. So he's going to have his own Kevin Keller comic, four-part miniseries coming out in June of this year. Is he going to be dating? Uh, not in, not yet. I mean, basically what you're going to get with Kevin is his backstory, mm-hmm. the history of, of, of his life, how he came to Riverdale, about his family, and it's really interesting. I mean, we touch on a lot of hot-button topics that you may not think Archie would necessarily go. So it's a really interesting storyline. It's a little bit uh, different than a, a typical Archie comic book would be. Now, is this something that you guys did... Uh, that you've met over a lot that you had to think about it. Are we screwing around with the brand? Is there one thing to have these feelings, but you could still screw up the brand? I mean, I don't think, like, I think of Archie the same way I would think of like a Barbie doll. Right. And they haven't went and added a gay character. I mean, I think that they're pretty uh, nervous about that type of stuff because you can't screw with money, right? Yeah. I mean, here's, here it is. Uh, you know, we have a certain, uh, philosophy within Archie ca- uh, comics that there's a certain integrity within the the characters that we will never break down. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't be a reflection of what's going on right now in right. the world. I mean, we can't be this, you know, uh, homogeneous little society that uh, would eventually border on irrelevance. We have to reflect what's going on in this melting pot of the world that that everyone now lives in. So we we need Riverdale to reflect what's going on in the world, and adding Kevin is a natural part of what's happening in high schools today. So have you ever done that with the comic uh, book? Have you ever said, all right, people are worried about terrorism, so we'll put that in, or people are addicted to crack, we'll put that in? Because um, I think... Archie's still an escape, right? Yeah, no. I mean, we don't. We're not going to be really heavy-handed about this stuff. I yeah. mean, no matter what, if you read the book that Kevin is in, it's really lighthearted, mm-hmm. you know. And the way that it comes out that he's gay is a conversation he has at Pop Tate's uh, soda shop with Jughead. You know, Veronica is very hot for for Kevin, mm-hmm. and no one understands why Kevin isn't reciprocating the attention. And Jughead's having a conversation with with Kevin, and Kevin goes, "Well, you know." I'm gay. <laughs> and that's sort of how the whole thing comes right. out. You know what I mean? It's just a natural part of a conversation between friends. So, no, we don't go down the terrorism route or, or you know, the drug addiction route or anything like that. It is an escape. We want it to be fun. We want it to be light. But that doesn't mean we're going to be socially irrelevant. Uh, there's always talk about you guys being involved in a, in a live action yeah. thing again. Is that still out there? Is it something that never kind of goes away, right? There's always... Talk about it. Okay. Yeah, well, actually, there's a lot of talk right now. We've yeah. signed with William Morris to represent us mm-hmm. uh, for, for uh, television and film and animation. And, you know, we're bigger than just Archie. We have Sabrina and the Teenage Witch. We own Josie and the Pussycats. We own many brands. So we're with William Morris, and there's a lot of discussions right now about a movie and a television show. But it's weird that Josie and the Pussycats, it seems like that is almost in some ways easier to go, maybe because people are less precious. Well, that's exactly right. You just hit the nail on the head, 100%. I mean, people, you know, Archie is very much a part of Americana, you know, and that connotates a certain sort of philosophy. So you have to be careful with how you deal with that. But that doesn't mean we're stuck in in, in this little time warp that we can't get out of. We're going to get out of it. You're definitely going to get out of it. Yep. And this is where you're... This is what you're bringing to the table now, right? Your thing is about what's next. I mean, even though you, you have this heritage... 
you have to be on top of this stuff. Yeah, you have to move forward. Yeah. You know, otherwise, I mean, there's so many other ways that people get information. If you don't separate yourself from the pack and forever change and forever morph and take chances, and I don't mean just arbitrary chances, but chances within the confines of what you do, then you're going to get nowhere. You always have to move forward. All right. Uh, John Goldwater is in with us. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. The interesting thing about your company is I don't think there's too many people who haven't who would not know who Archie is. Right. And how many brands can you even say that about? I mean, how many things could you say to 100% of Americans, do you know this character? Yeah. And would come back. I mean, you're probably looking at Mickey Mouse, Bugs Bunny, and Archie's right there with it. Yeah, it's true. And I thanks for saying that because that is exactly right. Uh, let's go over here to uh, Bill. Bill in Boston, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, I'm actually from Haverhill myself, where Archie Comics comes from, and we're in a community here that's uh, that's changing quite a bit, and we have a lot of people just living their lives like they want to, and just want to let you know I appreciate what you're doing here. Oh, I really appreciate that, Bill. Thanks so much, and thanks for being an Archie fan. So this, uh, Bill, for you, this rings yeah. true, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole different community up here now, and there's people just living their lives and being who they want to be. I think it's wonderful. All right, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Arv in Ohio. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, I got a question for you about the Archie comic book. Sure. Um, I know that it's either been considered to be a Christian comic book, or I know that they've done Christian comics based on Archie. I don't know how much that's in relation to you as a writer of Archie, but how does the whole gay character work in with the Christian philosophy of gay is wrong and everything else? Well, I mean, years ago, uh, we licensed out the characters. We're talking 20, 30 years ago. We licensed out the characters to this Christian-based organization. But Archie is, is not a Christian-based comic. It's uh, Archie is an everything comic. Uh, so for us... Riverdale is all inclusive. It's a safe place. It's it's good for Christians and all religions alike. So we're not a Christian based comic at all. So all right. you no longer license those characters no. out. No, that was many years ago. Um, and now in hindsight, is something you wouldn't do again. Never do that again. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you. For you growing up around this, yeah. Uh, were you into other comics besides Archie? My other comics that I loved were Superman and Batman. Loved them both. Those both, right? Yeah, sure. And uh, so the comic book culture has gotten so big now, like stuff like Comic-Con. Comic-Con like is huge. Yeah. So it's almost where it's mainstream, I think, at this point. No doubt about it. I mean, you go to Comic-Con in, in uh, San Diego, and they had last year in New York. It's it's just a massive cultural event. It is what I call the new music business. The music business used to be the coolest business to be in. Mm -hmm. Now it's the comic book business. And how did that make that turn? How did it get so mainstream? Because we're not looking that many years ago no. where people, adults who were buying comic books, would be somewhat quiet about it. But now... I think they would be pushing kids out of the way uh, to get the comic books. Yeah, it's so passionate. I mean, I think you have to really look back to people like Chris Nolan and, mm -hmm. and thank them so much for making things like Batman so super cool. 
mm-hmm. you know, and then the whole comic book culture cool and harken back to people like Stan Lee and and the Spider-Man movies and all those things. It's just made everything to do with comic books super cool, you know? I see that uh, Stan Lee is going to do something with Schwarzenegger now. It was in the paper today called The Governator. Yeah. And it's going to be a series of comic books yes. based on The Governator. It's uh, insane. Yes, it is. Stuff takes off. Yes, it is. Um, Fez, you Archie fan? Yeah, I'm an Archie fan. In fact, I was going to ask this about the new character. Yeah. Um, I know he has a little crush on Archie. Are you going to follow that through? <laughs> well, it's unclear if he's got a crush on on Archie just yet, but uh, you know, he's... I think I saw the little hearts drawn over his head when he saw Archie. Fez, you'd be perfect to voice this. If they ever that. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, no, Kevin's very much uh, right now looking to just fit into the Riverdale and make some friends and figure out, you know, how he wants to become part of the high school. Uh, it was so cool to have you stop by. It's Thank you, guys. A crazy story. 70 years. Yes, 70 years this year. And the Kevin Keller book is coming out in June. And look for all things Archie, both uh, in digital and in print. So thank you, guys. ArchieComics.com to keep up with it. John Goldwater, thanks so much for coming in, man. Thanks so much, Ron. Ron Bennington, Fez Watley, Ron and Fez, on the virus. I could have used a little more cowbell. We should probably give him more cowbell. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. It's the Ron and Fed show on a Friday. Loving it. Tidjif. Tidjif, my friends. Tidjifs. You know what that means, right? Tidjif. means Tidjif. It's like fuzz butchered, but for a younger crowd. You say Tidjif. Uh, the guy from Archie uh, Comics was in here and uh, trying to pitch him right now. On Fez playing the new Kevin Keller character. Oh, that'd be great. Why don't, instead of going Kevin Keller and having him as gay, why not go Tom Keller and just sell him as a chef? And people might go crazy for it. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show, it's Hard Rocket Head and Heavy Metal with our own Eddie Trunk. Now, Eddie Trunk is going to be doing book signings of his new book, and I think it's called... Trunk Full Metal. Now, what is the name of his uh, book? Uh, uh, Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. He knows it, if anyone else does. That's available in stores now and on Amazon.com. There are signings going on around the country, and one's going to be happening at the Hard Rock Cafe. If you like rocks and you like it hard, you'll like the Hard Rock Cafe. That's in Times Square. That's at 7 o'clock tomorrow, eddietrunk.com, to see a full schedule of his um, tour. Why why don't we look that up online? Let's get the full schedule of his tour. I want to see where he's going. Oh, by the way, um, it looks very, very good that I will be doing the second 
of the hard rock and heavy metal essential books. Really? Yeah. Looking very good. Thank you, sign it. Even more John, essential. Johnny, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B., why didn't you pitch uh, Baby Snoot's comic to the Archie guy? Well, because I'm waiting for a friend of my brother's to help me. Ah. Uh, Way to get on that. Uh, which, now I'm starting to hate that guy. I don't trust him. Oh, but anyway, um, I don't think anybody wants baby snoots. I do. My my entire past is just failure upon failure upon failure. Snoots has legs. But now I understand that's not my fault. That's God's plan for me. God's plan for me has been to put me in the worst possible situation time and time again, at least when it comes to career moves. But why would he do that? And why would God send a shark to bite off a little girl's arm? I don't know. Something about standing on someone's shoulders and footprints on a beach. You stand on someone's shoulders so you don't get your footprints on the beach. That's out of the Bible. Um, I studied it. I did not pitch baby snoots to this guy because I no longer believe in myself. Don't, why would you say that? You have to believe in yourself. Because what life has taught me, my friend. Fuck life. You got to know what you know. Life, you don't fuck life. Life fucks you. No, life can go fuck itself then. Why should life fuck itself when it's too busy fucking you? I'm not getting fucked by nothing. Uh, that's sad to hear. <laughs> that girlfriend of yours I'm going to sit down and have a talk with. Because you're explaining to us your new philosophies of life. And that is... Everything is planned out in God's plans. Yeah, that um, I'm on some sort of path. It's been a rocky path, that's for sure. But something good is going to come out of this. But it's not just your... Well, that's a lot different than God is making these things happen. It is? Yeah. First of all, why would, why would he put you on a rocky path only to make something good come out of it? I guess so I could appreciate that good. So I could be even better than I was before. And everybody's on a rocky path, and then our lives are going to get good. Yeah, everyone's on this path where you're going to experience all the things that life has. Hmm. It's like you're going on a tour of the world. But you're not. You haven't been to China. You haven't been to Europe. You're not a tour of the world. You've traveled very little. Queens, mostly. You don't even know New York. Um, Still trying to figure it out. Still trying to figure it out. Um, but there is, it's a rocky path, and at the end, life is better. Now, remember when we, that they put out that uh, thing of, um, it was some kind of, uh, it was the secret. Yeah. And it was about the rules of attraction. Yeah. Positive and, thoughts bring positive things to you. Yeah, like, and people were, like, they were getting mad. They were like, everyone's just thinking about money. And people were going like, I want to drive a Jaguar. I want to have the, I want to have two houses. I want fucking hot chicks. And then after that happened, uh, we hit some kind of a depression, recession. And I'm like, well, then, but everybody I was talking to was like, hey, I'm into this rules of attraction thing. Yeah, just positive thoughts. None of the good things are going to happen. And, and yet then... just the opposite happened to the economy. Yeah, <laughs> shit the bed completely. And then people will make, it's always like, ah, I must have been doing it wrong. I was, I was letting some bad things in there. <laughs> um, I wasn't focusing enough on the things I want. Let's uh, go over to uh, Mike. Mike, you're on my Fez. Hey, guys. I'm coming in uh, late to the party here. But, Fezzy, um, you're a Christian, right? Yes. 
Okay, so so you believe that this is already ordained and whatever is going to happen is going to happen, and we have no choice in it. Right. There's a there's a plan laid out. Yes. Okay. Then, how do you explain free will? He gave us free will. He doesn't explain that. That's how he gets around that. Yeah. Well, that's free will. But Fezzi, he gave us the free will in order for us to give the submission back to him. So that's what it's about. So you are in control. Um, It goes on faith. However, you know, faith without works is dead. So you've got to step out and believe something's good's going to happen, but you can't wait for it to happen. You've got to move forward and make that decision to make something happen, and he will reward you for that. That's that's just Christian I do, no, See, I think just the opposite. I think if you really believe in God, you'll sit and wait for him and have him bring you stuff. If like, you have faith. Wow. Because it's like, why else would you want you to go around and do stuff if you can't do it on your own anyway? doesn't make a lot of sense there. Now, your thing, Fez, is no matter what happens, like I throw this pen, that was part Ow. of the pre- predestiny, right? Yeah. So it's like that wasn't my will throwing the pen. Right. That yeah. was the work of God. So Hicks drinking that water, work of God. Mm-hmm. The what? fact that I got Hicks there, Zito there, I didn't make that decision. Work of God. Right. The universe was created by God, and it's all unfolding according to his will. Nobody uh, does. So part of God's will, Roland ratted you out yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So why are you, why are you mad at Roland? Because it's it doesn't make it any less hurtful that it happened. But he didn't do it. Roland himself did not do it. He is a slave. He's a slave to what happened. The pawn. So, in a way, it's crazy to get mad at Roland, right? No, no, I don't think so. But Roland didn't do it. Any more than I threw the pin, or uh, Hicks decided to take his fucking, his, his, let his hair down today. Looks good. Does it? <laughs> I think so. I think you're getting a Sigmund and the Sea Monster look about you, and I don't think you want that. I know that you feel weird today because you washed your hair this morning. Oh, no, there wasn't any washing of hair this morning. Well, then why is your hair wet? Oh, no, grease. What? I think it's grease. Uh, Graham, you're on my fuzz. Natural oils. Hey, how's it going? Um, I was just calling to uh, ask Fez what he thinks about this. If, if everybody's life is predestined by God, then somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer then was just doing what God had intended him to do. So if that's the case, why would he go to hell? He's not in hell. No, I don't think he is in hell. I don't think anyone goes to hell. Or heaven. They're just stuck in the back where until God wants to play because God's playing with something else. No, that blows. You blow. No, I don't blow not anything. Be, not believe, well, that, that's not up to you. Oh, so God might be suck a cock? Whether you want to or not. Oh, that's a great... There's a lot of guys going, God, I don't oh. get it. Um, that's scary. Jay, you're on my Fez. Hey, what's up, everybody? Listen, Fezzy, I know that my opinion is not popular, and people cling to these kind of beliefs so tightly and have for such a long time. But don't you think if you can step out objectively and kind of look at it, isn't it easier to look at things that way in almost an irresponsible way because now everything's out of your hands and whatever happens, well, it was just God's will. Instead of looking at it that 
you've got to stand up on your own two feet, and at the end of the day, we got to make our own way one way or another. Fez is going to jump in here, see? I'm sure. Um, see, it was his destiny to call to try to bring me down. That was his destiny. That's one of the bumps in the path that I'm on. Same with Roland. It doesn't mean I have to enjoy the bumps. It doesn't mean I can't get upset at the bumps. But it's been put there in my path. Well, see, I disagree. Because you're acting like Roland could have done something different. Yeah, maybe if Roland was on a different path. But that would have nothing to do with Roland. Your way of saying destiny is we wouldn't even choose our paths. Yeah, but it doesn't mean you have to embrace everything. that You don't have to like everything that goes on. I understand that, but you would not then blame Roland. Yeah, my path is now to stay, uh, is away from Roland's path. But you're acting like you have some choice in the path. And you wouldn't be if it was destiny. You would have no choice, neither would Roland. So, but when Roland, what you claim, made up a lie about you yesterday. Absolutely. Then your thing would be, oh, the fates, they're so cruel. Look what they do. That would be a a legitimate, you know, complaint. But to blame Roland, who, according to your theory, isn't responsible for his his thing. Neither are you. Your, Your point would be, you're stuck and there's a ride, and you can choose to think about the ride any which way it plays, but you can't make any plans. You can't have any strategies. And the interesting thing is there, I'm not sure if Fez does believe in strategies. Maybe this is the thing for him, because when I tell him, hey, make this move, mm. he's like, okay, but then he doesn't. Yeah. Um, here's Charlie Yarmouth Fez. Ronnie, uh, now that Fez believes in God, and, you know, God's all about forgiveness, and Fez hasn't forgiven anybody in the past 20 years, can Fez see the light of being able to honestly forgive someone? You know, it's a situation where you can't just say the word, you have to absolutely feel it. I'm not there on my path yet. And that's fair. And that's fair. The fact that Fez even answered me, because I've called in the past before, and Fez just phases out. So the fact that he's even answering, like I'm not insulting him, he's not insulting me, I'm telling you, Ronnie, that's progress right there. Well, I think if Vez is at least looking for something, and I give him full credit for that. And a lot of people wrote into me uh, when Fez came up with his dollar bill thing of meaning that it was God and, and then another caller called in with synchronicity. And I kind of, you know, let it all slide by. And people were mad at me and wrote that. I'm like, look, if Fez is getting some kind of comfort right now, that's not my job to take that from him. Yeah, I mean, come on. Can I break here? Um, I I just feel like, um, you know, go ahead and do it. Um, Here's uh, Randy, St. Louis, Sherman and Fez. You know, I kind of, you know, don't understand how Fez's thinking is, but... Why, Ryan, if he's in a happy place for a change and he's comfortable with himself, with his train of thought, why are you and all these other callers? I just sat there and fucking explained to you that I wasn't, Randy. If anything, anything, Randy, I'm trying to help him flesh out his belief system and have it work for him the best that it possibly could. Okay, I'm sorry I missed that because I was on hold. But I just 
Because I feel like when you were on hold that you started, you you shit into a bowl and then you ate it like it was a fucking Sunday. That's what I think. I think that is what happened. But that's not his fault. God made him shit in that bowl and God made him eat it. God's making people eat shit. Even though you're a shit eater, don't blame yourself. And all the people writing to me about baby snoots, the same people that put out Archie don't want to have a fucking alcoholic, drug-addicted toddler. They don't what? want it. Listen. Masturbating Disney, toddler. Disney had Miramax. Why can't Archie have some sort of imprint? What did they do to Miramax? They fucked it three ways to Sunday. Fuck. You turn around. Show me a Miramax now. They destroyed it. And then they made sure the Weinsteins wouldn't get it back. The Snoots Company, then. Matt. Texas, you're in Matt. Hey. Hey, guys. Busy, I want to know uh, how all these guys that just recently died in Japan in that earthquake, how did, how did that event help you get a little further down your path, Fess? I don't know if that has anything to do with my path. My path hasn't been revealed to me. How about their path? Their path, you know, apparently it ended there with the tsunami. But if it makes it, but if it affects things in the world... Where people are charitable and they give to Japan relief efforts. Have you seen a lot of that? I have not. But or if it's a if it's the start of a path away from dangerous nuclear power. Again, if there is a path, right? It wouldn't be their decision whether they were going to use nukes, nor their decision whether they were going to send money. It would be outside of them. You were you were either controlled by the fates, or you are not. You can't be somewhat controlled by the fates. It doesn't make sense. Either you're a fucking video game, or you have free will. Either someone else is playing the video game. If you're a movie, if you're a character in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. You can only follow along with what is already played out, right? Right. So... No matter what they learn from it or change does not change their path. Now, those characters in the movie may believe that they're thinking of things to do, but we know that they don't. Not only that, that movie will be replayed and they will do the exact same things as they did before, regardless of what they ever learned before. They are stuck. So either we're a fucking... Um, but a, a dire- slot car or we're not. But a director can come in and change a scene and that movie's still playing out the way it's going to. And no, it would be the director then would be God, right? Right, yeah. So that would have nothing to do with the characters. This would be us sitting around saying, do you think God is going to do good things for us? It wouldn't be anything based on what the characters have done because God has already edited that together. What we do would mean nothing to God because he's already set up this thing that we're forced to follow along. We won't learn from it. We won't do anything. Whatever happens, happens. Right. It would be like fucking judging the water what happens when it's the wake of a boat. It's not the water's fucking fault. It's physics. Um, here is... Um, uh, let's go over here to um, Kevin. Kevin, you're on a fuzz. Hey, buddies. Hey, uh, Ronnie, after that, you, you touched on that. 
my question changes a little bit for Fezzi. Is, is this path have a purpose for God? I mean, all these people on these predetermined paths, is this something that God is doing, or is the whole reason God's doing it just so that we travel on these paths with no purpose at the end for any big picture, not the individual? I don't know. I don't know God's will. I don't know why God puts us on these paths. I don't know why he makes, you know, some uh, parts of the path rockier than others. I just think it's interesting that you've got this new philosophy that didn't exist at all before. And you're pretty locked into it. Yeah, I just, uh, things have been so, uh, what's the word? I guess. Funny? No. No. Joyful? No. No, not that. I think it's whimsical. No. Why don't you ever give Chris Stanley a chance to just once agree with him? Is that your predestination? I uh, yeah. We, we may be on different paths on what we agree on, oh. and we're and we're destined to never meet on that. But if I really thought that you would believe this, I'd fucking bring it up every time that you brought up a news thing. Every time you said somebody in the news did something wrong, it would never be their fucking choice. It wouldn't be Charlie Ch- Sheen' choice. It wouldn't be Lindsay Lohan's choice. Nobody would have a choice. Well, I think, you know, you like you brought up the slot car thing earlier. I think maybe the car can bounce off the sides. It just isn't a straight, it isn't always a smooth path right down the track. It can bump along the sides of the slot. It's not up to the car, though. That would not be the car's fucking choice, whether it bumps or doesn't bump. Yeah, the um Yeah, but the car is being pulled in different directions. Yes, but not by its own fucking listen. The the car is out of control. It's on the slot. If you're a video game character, you're being played by someone else. You can't sit and blame that video game character. The video game character is doing what the user wants them to do and we would not be the users here we don't have any as far as i know video game characters with free will no it's like tron now almost oh no that's the other one oh yeah it's what was the tron i think that's more like tron yeah now the new one it was all daft punk i don't know you see the new one yet no don't you can't stop me well it's true yeah if you're gonna see it you're gonna see it i guess Well, Fez, you do have a philosophy now, and this is the first time you have for a a long time. Yeah, everything has been so crazy feeling. Fun. No. Exciting. No. Whimsical. No. Uh, Just during the past month that I I now feel there has to be some sort of direction through this that has been laid out for me that I'm supposed to be following. Hmm. Are you following it? I don't know. I, 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 I yeah, I guess I, I must be. I must be. I mean, there's got to be a way through this pain. You mean this whimsical feeling? No, pain. Do you equate pain with whimsical? Never. X does. Well, I was just saying uh, that could be one emotion. Whimsy. Can I ask you the biggest question? 
Why won't God put the Riddler in the new Batman? I don't know what path we're on for that. I do not understand the the road signs on that one. Mm. There'll be another reboot. Yeah. Batman kids. Kid Riddler, does that count? Um, let's go over here to Val in Cleveland. You're on my face. Hey, is this Val? I guess. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Fez, I gotta say, man, last month or so, uh, I'm amazed at the 180 that you've made. But you're a bit of an extremist. You're starting to throw a little bit of mythology in with your Christianity. I mean, the fates, that's mythology. So, uh, for example, just so you understand the term of mythology, Christianity is also mythology. Well, okay, uh, I can understand. These how are all myths, and I'm not saying like, that to judge, but don't act like some of those things out there are silly, <laughs> and the other ones are. You know, if mythology is mythology. Then you can do with it whatever you want to do. No, I do understand your belief there, Ron. But if I no, it's not a belief. Point. It's that part of it's fact. Okay. I'll go ahead and let you have that. You don't have to let me Fez. have it. It already exists. All right. Fez, if you go to a party, you're meeting a person for a first time, you would like that person to like you, correct? Yes. Depends. Oh, okay. Like, overall, you would like to be a likable person. Now, oh, I God, thought, I'm sorry. I thought I liked the person. I misunderstood. Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm asking if you would like the person to like you. Um... I I don't know the person. There, there are some people that I don't want to go near. Well, you may not want to like a person, but you would overall like to be... Would you want like a fucking Ku Klux Klan member to like him? Or Jeffrey Dahmer? No. no, that's fucking crazy. I've gone into rooms where there's people like, you know, I hope that guy doesn't come over here. He looks kind of weird or something or scary. My guy. What are you talking about? I'm just talking about people in general. I'm just talking about shafts. What this guy look like? Well, that's no one's business. He was wearing a fucking mask. I was in the nut hut for a week. I didn't want everybody to like me there. Why not? Make some friends. That was your plan, though. Huh? Um, Joe, you're on running Fez. Hey, what's up, guys? Fez, quick question. Would it be too much to ask for you to stand up on your own two feet and be a man for once in your fucking life? Um, of, doesn't a man of, have beliefs? Uh, you can be delusional all you want and double talk all you want. At the end of the day, you need to stand up on your own two feet and and make your own way, buddy. Stop putting all this stock in all these bullshit delusional fairy tales. I know that offends a lot of people, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. And it's not going to be any different from the other extreme thoughts and, and actions and beliefs you had before that. This isn't the answer. That's the your path. Is, you're on it. You're on that road. If that's how you want to feel. You keep babbling that delusional bullshit, Fez. It's not going to make it any better. Until you fix yourself by yourself, on your own, on your own two feet, and learn how to rely on yourself. All right. How is thinking How is thinking that I'm on a path that's going to lead to something good out of the problems I've had, how is that not believing in something, not believing in myself, I, not believing that something good's going to happen? How is that not working towards getting better? Because here's the only thing, and I'm going to stick up for him here. Because it takes you out of this having anything to do with you and your actions. That if it's all this outside thing, if things are happened to you that you have 
no thing of and things are going good that you have no power over. It's taking that thing of I'll make the moves. That's all he's saying. Now, the way he's saying it, I'm going to agree with you. It's it's quite rude, but I know some people get scared about that. Yeah. Just like the guy who said, you know, you've taken the Bible and brought in mythology when the Bible is mythology. Doesn't make it a bad thing. Stop fucking getting scared. Stop thinking that every other religion is myths except for yours. Um, let's go over here to Elaine. Um Elaine, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hi, Fez. It's Elaine in Kansas City. I'm just calling to uh, see if possibly I can meet you next week. I'm going to be there for my 50th birthday, April 6th. And I have cancer right now. I'm bald from chemo. I've got another cancer that just came on, so two types of cancer, bald, lymphedema, so my arm's all swollen. And I want to meet you so I can feel better about myself. That would be fine. Yay. Okay, how do I get that set up? I'm going to put you on hold and we're going to get your number, okay? Perfect. Thank you. Patrick, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Um, Fez, I got a question for you. Uh, about six months ago, I quit drinking, and it would have been really easy for me to just keep on drinking, you know, unemployed, my life is in the shitter, but I made the choice to quit drinking, get my life back on track. So I want to ask you, is that actually my choice, or was it just me living out the plan that God had for me? I think you're living out the plan. Your but plan was see, to get sober. But God wasn't pouring the beer down my mouth, and God wasn't, Why wasn't the one... He? According to your thing, he was, right, Fez? Yeah. Well, me, me and God have... Any, but see, the thing is, is I was the one putting in the work, you know? So... I'm saying he that it is. He believe that he did it, Fez, and you're saying no. No, he didn't do it. So no one's accomplished anything, really. It's always been God. Yeah, it's God behind all of that, yes. Mm. So what happened to you that you made this giant change? Um, just where... Just being so sad and mm -hmm. so brokenhearted over my father... Mm-hmm. And just feeling that gut-wrenching pain and thinking that there's got to be something to this for this kind of anguish that, you know, me and, you know, other people have lost people, obviously, and my family. There's got to be some reason for this anguish. There's got to be something more behind it. It's, it's, there's, and there's got to be something beyond it mm. as well. This is what, uh, is always like kind of funny to me, and I can't find my way out of this. I, I, you know, at the so I have to believe I'm on a path. But how come we don't feel like that before someone dies? And you're going to go back to the way you were before, right? You're going to suddenly feel better one day, right? I that's don't think so. But you said you have a plan, and that's what you believe in, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't you think that the plan's going to come true? Oh no, I just don't think I'll ever feel better about my father dying. No, I get that. But overall, you're going to go back to having a regular life again. Yeah. And someone else is going to die. Right? Mm-hmm. Your mom, your brother, uh, somebody that you work with here. She's done a great job running the board, but he drinks too much. What? Whoever. But Me? this thing is also going to come back. And then you're going to go back to the same place. But I'm, I'm wondering why we just don't feel this 
the fucking gravity of the existential kind of pain of just living. You know? Yeah. I mean, everyone is going to die. And when you're holding a new baby, you look at it and think, this baby's going to die. All There's no way around it. All forward to is death. And like everyone's like, oh, Obama got elected. You could be like, yeah, and he's also going to die. And so there's little girls that are so happy. Yeah, everyone is going to die, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see what happened here. And I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to put this out as somehow outside of the natural world. The fact that you lost your dad, this is something that couldn't even happen, right? Right. Yeah, it's, I'm still having trouble believing that it happened. I'm still in that phase. And yet, it's the most natural thing. We're all going to die. You, me, everyone we've ever seen. I mean, you're like. Let's like you're looking at your nieces and stuff and being like, oh, it's so sad for them. They're so young and they're going through this. And uh, but you're not even get. They've got the same death sentence over them that your dad did, your mom, you, me, everyone we know. There's always a fucking death sentence over everyone. And then but we choose not to believe that. We just put that out of our minds. But it's the truest fucking thing. Everyone, you know, have seen. TV, read about, went to school with, everyone's going to die. And yet, for you right now, it only now seems real. Before that, it wasn't real. No, it seemed like something that happened to other people and other families. But how crazy is that to even think? That's the nutty thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's the fucking craziness. So it's like... You've almost been smacked with this, yeah, life is fucking hard. But the interesting thing, before you started crying about this and being upset about that, you were also crying and upset about other things. You weren't happy. I mean, you didn't spend the time that your dad was alive completely excited and isn't life great. And you disregarded that. You disregarded the the kind of good part of that. But you will not disregard the pain. You hold on to the pain. As if there's, you know, nothing else like it. Life is weird, man. Life <laughs> it really is. Flat out fucking weird. That's and right anything out. that you're ha- you're hoping for, any kind of relief is temporary before death comes in. Like, you're watching a movie. This fucking movie is, let's say it's, um, uh, let's say Gladiator, right? Oh, awesome. And you're like, at the fucking end of the movie... If Gladiator dies, you're sad. Yeah. If Gladiator lives, you're happy. Oh, yeah. The reality of it is they're all dead anyway. All those people. The people who killed people, the people who died, the people who are watching people, they're all dead anyway. Why do we only care where that fucking movie ends like that has anything to do with it? Would have been nice to see him rule Rome, though, for a little bit. Why? He's still going to die, and then you'd be as crushed as Fez. Um. Let's go over to um, Gary. Gary Armand Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Um, you know, I love Fez and all, but, but I got to say, you know, you really got to take a little time out and be thankful that you had your dad as long as you did, that you got a good career, that you got a lot of people around you. My father died when I was 10, and that was 35 years ago, and we're close to the same age. So that means I lost out on 35 goddamn years ahead of my father because he's dead. You know, and, and I sympathize with you and everything, but, but just be thankful once in a while. Be thankful for what you had and what you got because it gets a little old. 
all the time here and you're pissed in the morning about shit. You got it better than a lot of people, and I don't mean to sound mean, but you got it better than a lot of people, and just really take a little stock in your life and say, hey, look, I had my dad for a long time. He lived a good, healthy, long life. That's more than a lot of people can say. Just remember that, buddy. Yeah, I t said all that when I came back from my father's funeral. I did say how grateful I was for my father. Yes. I, I think you said you're not living it. The fact that you said it, it's not something that you carry around with you. We know that you're crushed right now. And I think what probably caused you is like, you used up a lot of chits over the silly stuff. You know? Oh, okay. Over the last, what, seven years? Uh-huh. Since you started this part of it? If everybody could be, oh man, look at Fez, he's so sad. He's He was always the happiest guy in the world. And now, but you're not even getting a break from these fucking pricks down the hall. Because they don't think this this is you in mourning. They think this is just you being Fez. If right. it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Yeah, they're not seeing it, at, uh, you know, especially Roland. And this guy that just called, you know, it's, I'm talking about finding some spirituality here, connecting with something, but that's not good enough. His path has him calling in to try to take it away from me. Well, I, I think that the path isn't good in, uh, uh, you know, the that the thing is is not good enough is because people, like I said, they're not even seeing a vast difference between you and, let's say, six, seven weeks ago. You've always kind of been sad, depressed, you know, everything's fucked up guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would mean that you agree with me. Yeah, well, I, I guess I can understand that, but, I mean, it's I'm talking about stuff today that's hopefully bringing me through this. Um, here's Sean. Sean, you're on the fence. Hello? Sorry. Yeah. Um, my father passed away a few years ago. And somebody recommended I pick up a book called The Tibetan Book of the Dead. And it was interesting because what it kind of shows is that in the Eastern uh, culture, they realize that the only thing we all have in common is we're all going to die. That's the only thing we have in common. And that this book shows how everybody in the Eastern cultures to prepare for death from the time they're very young. So when it comes, it's not like Fez is going through and what I went through when my dad died. And I went, holy fuck, he's dead. Yeah, it seems like that could be a very short book. It's, it is a short book, but pick it up. It's very interesting. Um, what's your point of that, Fez? Chapter one, everyone's going to die. The end. Well, no, it's a matter of what we do with life during the short time that we have it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm The fact that every fire is going to go out, does that make, mean that fire means nothing? It would be up to you to decide that. Um, here's Ian. Ian, you're on running Fez. Hey, Mr. B. Uh, real quick, Fez. I'm not really a God-believing man, so what type of plan am I on and people like me? Well, you're uh, Burn his skin off? No, he's on his own path. He's going to find something out by the end of his life. I don't know what it is. Well, what's he going to find out? Yeah, I, I don't know, what, but that's his path to choose. I, but but you're saying that everybody uh, makes some kind of sense of life? No, maybe it'll be revealed after he's dead. Okay. Maybe there's a reason why why he's calling in saying, I don't believe in God. Right. Maybe that reinforces someone else's path. Okay. <laughs> no. 
We even tried to put the logic together. Everybody just everybody went up and to the left and went, all right, maybe he's just stacking these things. So like when he called in, him saying Don't. that is affecting someone else, Don't. and God, that his plan was that. for that guy and the person listening. Yes. Oh. But again, how would it matter if it affected or not? If we're already predestined, doesn't matter. It wouldn't be your choice. Not going to be my choice. We're predestined. Right. So what does it matter if it affected someone else? Would it matter if that fucking affected them or whether they just got a thought in their head? It would have nothing to do with any of us. Yeah, why would he go through the trouble? Why would God go through the trouble setting up things to make other people do things if he's already got them on that path? Yeah. Oh. The important thing is it's Friday. We're off it's tomorrow. not Friday. That's because you're a non-believer. I believe that if you think it's Friday enough, you can sleep in tomorrow. Well, I believe in calendars and the days of the week and tomorrow. That's where you're wrong, my friend. What? That's where you're fucking working for the man. Well, I got to keep a schedule here, right? I don't want to. I come and go. Uh, Greg, you're on run of fence. Greg. Hey, Greg. Once, I twice... I just wanted to say that, like, I just, I'm sick of hearing, like, the listeners call in and dogpile on Fez. Every time Fez has spoken, and I mean this, it's, it's spoken directly to a lot of my experience. I understand exactly what he's going through. Well, not exactly. I, I can't say that I've lost a parent, but I'm not great with my parents, but I know what it's like to lose somebody. I know what it's like to suffer the way Fez is, the way things are in your head, and they don't leave you alone. And I'm really freaking sick and tired of hearing people call up and making fun of him and, and dogpiling him. And look, I understand, you know, it's a comedy show. I love, you guys make me laugh every day. But I'd love to hear Fez just go for like an hour and just talk about, you know, what he's feeling and what he's thinking. Because Fez, there are people out there, maybe they're not like everybody, maybe they're not the majority. But some of us out there listening to you really relate to what you're talking about. And I understand a lot of what you say. It makes a lot of sense to me. Thank you. But here's the thing, Greg. Anytime Fez wants to do that, he's more than welcome. But as of right now, this is the most Fez has talked in a long time. And, you know, some of these listeners that are calling in, he has got to turn them. That's what you do when you're a radio host. I know. I, and I'm not speaking in terms of, like, his job as, as being a radio host. You know, I don't know anything about that. I'm just I'm, I'm speaking as a, another listener, mm -hmm. somebody who is, like, listening to Fez. And whenever somebody calls in and, like, makes some sarcastic, stupid comment and they think they're so smart, it fucking pisses me off. I can't stand it. Because you know what? Fez makes a lot more sense than some shithead who's like, oh, I think I got it all figured out. I'm so fucking smart. I'm going to make fun of Fez. It's just a bully mentality. It's, it's a good impression, I, Greg. I actually agree 100%. When Fez is ready to grab that fucking mic and go, there's no one that can stop him. And I know that he thinks that that's... Out, and I'm saying that is his personal fucking choice. When he grabs that mic and said, I'm going to fucking talk to you for the next fucking hour, and you're going to listen... I don't think anybody will stop him. 
I want you to know, Fezzi, that there are people out there that are listening to you. I believe in you, and I don't believe in you in some sarcastic, stupid way. I really believe in you, and I admire what you're going through. You're struggling, and you're not giving up, and I think you deserve a hell of a lot of credit for it. And I believe in you, Fezzi. And just remember that there are people out here that genuinely believe in and sympathize with what you're going through. And someday, Fez will talk as long as you did about this same exact topic. Someday he will grab the stick and go, Greg, it was a very good call. Thank you. And Fezzi, I hope you listened to him. Yes, I did. I think you should go back and re-listen to him. I think you should listen to him at night. You should replay that and listen to him in the morning. Because he didn't have anything there that you don't already know. That's the that's the fun. You're always looking for this, oh, somewhere there's a message from God for me. But there's a perfect message for you to follow. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's an agreement. What I want you to do is run with it the way he did. Grab the fucking mic and say, here's why I feel this. This is what Greg just inspired in me. Let me fucking talk about it. And then you're going to be back on the fucking bicycle again. And then what's your name going to be then? Fez Watley. No. What? It'll be whatever the new character is. I think Fez Watley's coming to an end. I don't think Fez Watley wants to survive. These new characters seem to be new and exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're either going to end up with the Ron and Cilantro show or something. Dennis. But I don't see Dennis really. I don't know if I can spend a lot of time with Dennis. He does ask a lot of annoying things. Who was the guy yesterday I really liked? Dr. Obvious. Yeah, it might be the Ron and Dr. Obvious oh. show. Or that well, dirty things old- are going. It might be the Dr. Obvious and Ron show. I'll be lucky to hold on to those fucking. But again, you'll be in it. Doctor, that'll all be you. That's right, Doc. And Greg was so fucking right. Everything that Greg said is is fucking correct. Uh, Duke, you're on Fez. Yeah, Ronnie B. Uh, is Fez wearing like a white robe and sandals and sitting Indian style on the floor? And uh, I just want to say that everybody that's falling in today, uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Look, let me tell you something, Duke. Don't ha- say they hang up right away. You can make fun of Jesus' style. All you want, because I realize it looks fucking wacky now. But if I saw a picture of you in the fucking 70s, I bet you look like shit. Your 80s fucking um, thing probably looked like shit. Couldn't possibly look good at all. You're wearing that fucking fish on your head. Mm -hmm. Going everywhere. Fucking slick back into a mullet. But guess what? If it was 83 and you came in with today's fucking hair, you'd look like the dick. Exactly. Don't fucking disregard... The fucking times that are happening around you, Mm-mm. embrace them. Mm. JD, hey Tampa Town. I hear uh, you having some bad weather there today. Yeah, it's been brutal overnight. I've been uh, afraid to have my computers on, but you know I got to hear the show. Yeah. Anyhow, hey says if this is your new style of thinking, why don't you take this opportunity to act on your secret? Because then there's no guilt involved. You can just say, well, that was my destiny. I'm not at that part of my path yet. I'll know when that is. I just know that it's not now. It's not this moment. So, but eventually, you know, that um, that that should be uh, on my path. That should be uh, part of the plan. 
I hope it is, and uh, that's uh, my every intention. <sighs> I think it is. Here is uh, Mark. Mark, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. Uh, Fezzy, I, I love the attitude and I appreciate it, but I'm trying to follow the exact same thought pattern as you, and I'm looking in the Bible trying to find out where this thought process comes from because I can't find it. It doesn't come so much from reading the Bible, but having it on an end table and then sometimes on your lap. Well, I mean, I'm looking, uh, I was actually a religion major in college and studied a lot of the different religions, and... I haven't said at any point the Bible says this is the truth. You said you're a Christian. Yeah, I said I'm a Christian, yeah. but I didn't say the Bible said this. But that's, well, and that's the thing, because... What I, believe that, I believe that Jesus was here. Right, but what I'm saying is that the way you're saying it... So do the Muslims. That's Christianity. The Christianity, the, the Muslims believe that Jesus was here, and yet they're Muslims. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah they and believe I believe Jesus was the Son of God. So, but I never, I never said that this was right out of the Bible. But here's the interesting thing. And again, do you mind talking about this? Because I think you're at least getting back involved with it now. You now believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? Right. You did not believe that six weeks ago. Right, yeah. What happened in the last six weeks... That made you believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Because it's just, it's, um, I used to believe it, and I think what happened was that I fell away from that, and I think I believed it all along, even if I was saying that I didn't. So even now you could be believing something that you're not saying. I guess that's possible, but I don't, it's not the, uh, it's, I would say it's not the case. But it is possible. No, I, I've, it is possible. I mean, even when I... You just I, told us it is possible. Is it possible or not? No, it's not possible. Well, you just said it was possible. I was wrong. So you've been wrong up here on the stand. No further questions, Your Honor. I'd like to have this witness discredit it as being a crazy talker. All right. Your Honor, I said no further questions. But... I wish they didn't have to do schooling. I'd love this to go up there and fucking at least act like a lawyer. I wonder if you could just walk in there and say, could I act like a lawyer today? Yeah, they could just, just kick it off the record or whatever. Just be like, you know, hey, let's have some fun here. This murder trial. <laughs> let's break this fucking tension. What I would do is anytime somebody said that there's something wrong with their neck, I would just go like this. And hopefully they turn around. That'd be awesome if it worked. Your Honor, let me just say that that person in the nut brace just turned their head. And now it hurts. I would just start screaming after I turned my head. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, it's delayed. I was forced to turn my head um, after hearing that drop. I'm going to sue you. Sue you right here in court. Um, let's go over here to uh, Ryan. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fez show. You say Ryan? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, sorry. Hey, Fez, yeah, I just want to congratulate you. Because you finally found something that maybe you can hold on to, and there's not one person on the whole face of the earth that knows what's right. If there's God, if there isn't, nobody knows for sure. So whatever works for you, if that's what works, fine. Other th people think other things, and it works for them. So no one really knows. 
I agree. So, I agree somewhat with that. I mean, I don't know whether you should live your whole life in illusion, but I also think that if you have something that works for you, you should make sure that it works for your benefit. And this is something I'm trying to make work. Right, but do you understand what I said? It's going to work for your benefit, mm-hmm. not something that keeps you powerless and a victim, and saying that you have no, um, you know, fucking that 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 you're now taken out of the agenda. And it's all up to God, Mike. You're on my face. I got a spy report. Um, spy report. 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 Uh, news is saying that Betty White's going to host a senior citizens version of Punk that's coming out. It's called Mobbed, and that's not the, uh, Betty White. That's Howie Mandel. It's Flash Mobs. And Hicks was very impressed that Howie Mandel got a late night uh, flight. Mm-hmm. You've been going crazy about that all morning. Oh, yeah, it's fucking nuts. Why? This is very impressive. Never heard of a red eye? No, never. I just thought you always have to go during the day, but go to the airport in the middle of the night to leave? There's plenty of people who like to fly out like that on the red eye flight because they can sleep very easily on a plane. Well, it's, does it like fight the jet lag or whatever? Well, no, it just gives you something oh, to do. Oh, and I mean, oh. really, if you can sleep on a plane, it is time travel. <laughs> like, if the best flight I ever had was I fell asleep. Before takeoff, we were oh, sitting there. Crazy. I fell asleep before takeoff, and I woke up with a like a fucking bump. Yeah, and it was like one minute I'm Philadelphia, <laughs> now I'm in Phoenix. This is fucking bewitch shit, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, passing out drunk, and I actually who's to say who's the no? I, I passed out drunk and come to when we were landing. It was fucking hungover, mm-hmm. but still am in fucking New York. Let's do it. Um, Let's get out there, Danny. You're on the run fest show. Hey, man, I'm completely on board here. Some of the coolest, most interesting people in this country were quick Christians who made their own rules. I'm totally into Fezzy Phelps Roper, man. He rules. I love it. Fez Watley, no rules Christian. Alex, you're on Fez. Yeah, Fezzy, do you think you're being punished in some way? No, I don't think I'm being punished. No. Fez, you got to realize it's not your fault. It's not your fault, Fezzy. It's not your fault, Fez. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Give me a hug, Fez. It's not, not your, your fault. fault. I know. Um, Dave, you're on running Fez. Ronnie B, it's Alec Amelia. Thank my you, my question, friend. Oh, no, no problem. My question is one of the age-old debate of whether God created us or vice versa. And I acknowledge that every one of us is adept at putting a spin on the events of our own life that best supports our belief system. And that's only natural. We're good at it, and we should be. Um, a lot of people were grow- were brought up with this uh, idea shoved down their throat that there's some invisible puppet master in the sky, and they never question it. The rest of us, I've noticed that a lot of people who find God late in life do so as a result of some tragedy, some loss, some personal failure. And I want to know if you or any of your listeners have ever heard of somebody who was leading a well-balanced, rewarding life and were comfortable in their own skin and then one day found God. Well, again, it's going, you know, this whole thing of God coming back to, and it goes to play the part in mythology that is somehow this white beard, 
older gentleman, blah, blah, blah. You probably wouldn't make that up on your own. You got released to that. Now, I will, without having any judgment at all, I have a spiritual feeling when I'm standing in front of the ocean or in the Rockies. I mean, that connectedness. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot of times at, at, and, and with music. You will feel connected. Now, does that make it a personal God? I don't think that you make the same leaps ahead, but you know that you are part of the universe. And on some things, we are all connected, even the people that we fight with. And you can tap into that spiritual feeling of that. Now, does that mean that you can now suddenly ask for things or hope for things? I don't know about that, you know. But I, I do think that there is a place for the spiritual life. Now, I don't need to personally follow a religion to have that. Um, And I certainly don't have the religious upbringing that Fez has where it was drummed and you go in and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I couldn't sit around and quote the Bible with people. But I do realize that in most religions, the path that you're supposed to be on is somewhere where you feel... Uh, some humility and awe, a feeling of awe in the miracle of existence. I feel like I already have that. I feel like I have I have a, a quema and, of course, appreciation. I get all three of those. I don't know whether I have to go around and give that a fucking name or try to figure out exactly how it works. This whole thing of people wanting to know how a... Uh, the universe works. Could you rebuild a fucking airplane engine? No. Could you fucking fix a refrigerator? No. And yet you want to come up and figure out who was the architect behind bees? You're fucking stepping a little high, my friend. We have never invented anything. Man has never invented anything that could be compared to a fucking bee. In terms of being able to to, to do exactly what it was designed to do. So this whole thing of I'm going to do, try to guess what my path is or something hurts my feelings, so there must be a greater reason behind this. There's the lack of fucking humility for you, you know? And there is a less of a sense of appreciation and all in, in the miracle of any existence, So, no, I don't need to walk down to a church to hear that guy start to try to tell me that the fucking universe is an amazing goddamn place. When I go walking down the street and it's hard to not start running over the fucking excitement level of being alive. But now I've got other people who are like dragging ass around and they all want to drag themselves in and hear a droning, ridiculous speech about how we should be fucking happy that we are in some kind of existence. I fucking get that. I get it. Try to go for that fucking feeling once in your life. Just the appreciation alone of being here. But now you think you can one-up this thing and try to figure out whatever force of nature came up with fucking gravity? What am I going to have? A one-on-one fucking conversation with that person? It's crazy. So the Milky Way. 
That's fooling I, around I, other I, ones. I can't play a piano, and yet I want to figure out how the fucking universe exists and why and what makes everything happen. The insane level that we have, and it does come from a fucking lack of appreciation. Period. Period. The fact that oh, I want more. You, you're not appreciative that you got anything. You won't see people walk around the planet that appreciate the fact that their asshole works properly. And believe me, if your asshole didn't work properly today, you wouldn't be thinking of another fucking thing. Get a get a fucking toothache and tell me other thoughts that you have beyond that fucking toothache. Nothing exists beyond that pain. And now we want to sit around and and fucking figure out what it's all about. Jesus. Insane. The ego of fucking human beings. I'll tell you one thing that I do admire about dogs is they don't fucking sit around and wonder how things work. Oh, no. And they definitely are appreciative. Well, they enjoy lots of things. And they'll go on a fucking adventure. They will go on an adventure. Path? Get off the path from Roosevelt Island to work. Get off that fucking path. Your path is too well-worn, Fezzi. Get off that thing. See the world a little bit. Appreciates. We're crazy. Human beings are out of their fucking mind. I don't think I have ever seen anything as stupid as us. And yes, Roland, don't think you're getting away with this. Fezzi is going to get you. And it ain't going to happen tomorrow. It ain't going to happen next week. But it's coming and coming hard. And I'm just oh. warning you because he told me that. And I'm a person, I had the, the greatest guest lined up for the special delivery. Why show. won't they go live? Because Sam and Dave are lazy. They are lazy, and that's why they're not going to be here Saturday night. They're lazy people. Um, Roy, you're on Running Fez. Yes. Uh, Ron, it's not going to matter. It's, we're all going to die in 2012. They released a movie about it. Let me tell you, I tried to watch that movie the other night. I almost killed myself doing it. I, that movie was almost correct. I fast-forwarded through most of it. Just the word part was blown up. It's pretty bad. Why do people like to uh, watch their planet exploding? They just because it's something they think they want. So some that's something people want to see. They want if everyone want, like it's been said that everyone wants to be a last generation. And like, hey, this is what would happen. I just felt sorry for that Indian guy not getting on one of those arcs. I didn't see that part. Oh, sorry. What Indian guy? One of the scientists. One of the first scientists. Is he Bollywood? Yeah, Bollywood. Yeah. Who so wants I, to be on an arc anyway? I guess to survive and go to the Cape of Africa or wherever the hell. Sounds was. fucking terrible. Yeah. I want to live on the Cape of Africa. Well, that was the only thing that was left above Earth, or left above water, I believe. You tell me Mark, Marcus Hook, Pennsylvania, after everything they put up with, they ain't going to fucking make it. I don't think so. I don't think you're going to make it then, Hicks. Oh, no, I wouldn't be able to afford to get one of those arcs. John, you're on running Fez. Yeah, Ronnie, a while back, uh, Fez said that his shrink diagnosed him with uh, personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and this just 
is just all about being narcissistic, thinking that he's the center of the universe, and then another component of a personality disorder is being too pig-headed I don't try know. to change. Do you think I have narcissistic personality disorder? Because I called myself on the phone last night, talking to myself for an hour and a half. Wow. And, kill your man, and actually fucking put myself on hold and then called me on another line. Did you take it? No. I was busy. I don't know. You know, when I read about narcissism, I don't think I know one person that is. Well, maybe I know one that isn't a narcissist. Who's that? It ain't you. If that's what you're fucking going for, this is your fucking way of trying to get a fucking biscuit. Snuffles. (laughs) Hey, Snuffles, how's about a dog biscuit? Mm. I bet that's the way we look, the fucking guy. Did everyone just sitting around going, eh, 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 pointing their fucking paws at their mouth. Everybody wants. Gimme. 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 I'll tell you, I had to see a movie last night for Hicks. I think it was called Shark Turd. And I've sent you to a lot of turds, haven't I? <laughs> no, you sent me the best films. <laughs> but when the little girl got her fucking arm bit off, yeah. it was a little bit of a scary scene. Like, this is a children's movie, right? Yeah. It's like a family movie. I think a little kid would see that fucking scene and what really took place and think, uh, I don't think I want to go in the ocean. No, that sounds horrifying. Because she's like a little girl when it happens, right? She's like 14 or some shit. Yeah, she's something like that. Um, and it is amazing. She came back. I mean, these fucking girls now, they shred those fucking waves. Hey, at least they were surfing in the movie, right? Huh? There's actually some good surf shots. What's really funny is like with some, you got uh, Dennis Quaid and Helen Hunt, and they're surfing, but then there's a lot of like weird close-up shots that might as well have been Frankie Avalon. Just like, hey... <laughs> And there's one, and there's no doubt that Dennis Quaid is up on the board, but there's one scene that he's fucking kind of hanging 10 old school style, and uh, you just see him from the neck down. Oh, yeah, all right. And I was cracking up. They got close up. Yeah. I'm sure he was there. But they have done amazing uh, water photography in my life. Amazing. The fact that you're underneath and looking up at the barrel. That's nice. These are insane. Now, normally when I say I like a surf movie, it's always a documentary. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, you watched North Shore, right? Oh, yeah. I fucking, I got a fucking, um, I found a bootleg of it. Did you watch it? I, I watched part of it. I didn't get through the, all of it yet. Do you ever watch it. anything of it all? I, it's, it's, it's getting rarer and rarer. I watch the entire fucking film. You've never seen credits. Uh, anyone oh, who has seen, that. well, I don't want to stay for the credits. And sometimes, like, one of my friends will be like, I want to watch these credits. And I'm like, what? why? Let's just go home and IMDb. But then the funny thing is about people, who like credits the next time, they were like, let's just go. And you're like, what What happened? I thought we were waiting for the credits. Come on, consistency with credits here. All right, you watch your credits, I'm going to piss my pants. So I, fucking, <laughs> I held the fucking piss for this. Um, but anyway, anyone who watched North Shore, at the very end of this movie, uh, and what's the name of it, Hicks? It's uh, Bethany Hamilton. Bethany, the, Beth Hamilton. Beth Hamilton's story. Little girl who gets around. Oh, it's Soul Surfer. Oh, Soul Surfer. Yeah. And they took that from North Shore, that fucking phrase. But for anyone out there who's seen North Shore, Turtle makes a cameo appearance, who was the <laughs> go-to guy That's in awesome. uh, 
North Shore. Um, here's Zim. Zim in Florida. You're on my face. Hey, how's it going, buddies? Uh, I was just sitting in the Pal Talk big ass room telling everyone how it was kind of stormy here in Tampa, Florida. And, uh, tornado just touched down about a block from the house. Yeah, I'm watching stuff on the news, and it looks I, like the whole center of Florida, from like Tampa to Daytona, is getting rocked have, with this, huh? I have no power. You can have anyone in the big ass room call in. My name is I am Zem in there, except that Roboto guy. He's an asshole. But I was sitting there, and I said it was getting bad, and I look up again. The sky's green. I see shit in the air, and just like those kids in that YouTube video, like an asshole, I yell out, Tornado, grab my laptop, run back in the house, put it down, open the door, and it is just whitewashed out. You can't see a thing from the wind and the rain. I start walking around a little while later, trees all over the place, power out, houses blown through just a block from your house. And I'm not trying to sound like a bitch, but, you know, just that close. You so know? You're, you're just calling us so the people in the Pal Talk room know that you weren't killed? Well, I mean, I wasn't trying to let that. I don't think they all right, Who's around. the Roboto guy and what makes him such an asshole? <laughs> oh, uh, he's just into his own thing. He does weird drugs and things. I don't know. Not Pepper Hicks style. Isn't right? it the, the the fucking worst thing, though, is like everyone has to be invited into that? Like you could have 90 people in a room and it's good, but then one person comes in. One person can fuck up anything. One person. Well, he's not that bad. You know, he's a character. He's entertainment. So he's always there every day. And you know he's going to be drinking some crazy tree tea that makes him freak out and, you know. Hey, do you ever think you go in one of those pal talk rooms? Uh, I think I tried pal talk once early on. I didn't. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. We used to have it up at the other place with the sound down. Yeah. And then we would do the after show, mm -hmm. but we'd have the sound down in there. Yeah. And I, that I have no problem with because you see like pretty girls staring at you while you're doing the show. But I don't think I'd want to sit and let everybody else start talking. I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> I got to get out of this pal talk room. I can't believe Zim has got the fucking mic again. It's pretty good sometimes, though. You know, there's good people in there, good comments, sometimes conversations. Who are your best friends in Pal Talk? Oh, I don't have any friends. I don't think anyone likes me. No one knows who I am. All right, so you're kind of the dick of the group. Yeah, I just sit... No, I don't think I'm a dick. I just sit there doing my own thing, you know, silent observer. You a lurker? Am I a worker? Lurker. lurker. What never do mind. I do? Never mind. He annoys the shit. You annoy the shit out of it. See? <laughs> What, why, why did you log out, Pepper? Why did you log out of the Pal Talk room? Zan was just getting on my nerves. I didn't get out of there. <laughs> Fuck it. We ought to start our own room. Start our own fucking room with just the cool people. All right, Zan. See you later. Sorry, Roboto's a dick, whoever that is. Oh, I'm not that worried about it. Well, thanks, buddies. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. I don't know. I might want to start a room with uh, Zim. The Zim room? Yeah. All right. Um, let's go over here to Paul. Paul, you're on my fist. Hey, Ronnie. Uh, you're talking about going on adventures and stuff or going out and see the world. And uh, I just decided uh, three months ago to pack up all my stuff and sold my business and rented my house and moved to New Zealand. And uh, I was just thinking of all the things I'm going to be uh, not able to do and listening to you guys is one of them. Well, you can still pick us up on the computer, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I, to listen live, live, I'd have to get up at 4 in the morning. Yeah, do it. Enjoy. Yeah, stay up all night. Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Uh, Higgs, by the way, a Call lot it. of people complaining about you and Audible to me. And then I guess...
than some of the illegal places to listen to the show. Oh, no. Uh, Papa Sirius has uh, come down on. Oh, really? That's what I've heard about. I'll have to take a look on that. That's yeah. not good. Take a gander. But, you know, like cockroaches, they'll spread someplace else. Like Sirius says, I got to get paid. Get that money. Yeah. That cheddar. I heard that from a friend of mine. All right, Eddie Trunk is coming in here. And he's got a brand new book out called Trunk of Metal. No, it's Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. It's the best book in the history of the world. It is the book that will change your existence. It was predetermined by God that Eddie Trunk write this book. And actually, God wrote this book just through uh, Eddie's very talented fingertips. Do we have a copy of the book sitting in front of us? It's one inside. Go grab that. Inside what? The booth. The booth. The booth. All right. Uh, you wanted to do your characters today, though, huh? Yes, I have new characters today. Okay. Would you like to pre-sell them? Um, five new ones. No repeats. You know, from the week. I, I'm trying to figure out which ones maybe will catch on as I go through the week. But uh, five one, new ones today. Which ones do you think are catching on so far? By the way, this book is beat. Uh, this kind of hurts my feelings. Uh, here's the people who did blurbs. Ronnie James Dio, Chris Jericho, Brett Michaels, Rob Halford, Mike Piazza, Slash. They're all saying great stuff about Eddie Trunk. Who's missing from that list? Ron Bennington. Thank you. Ron Bennington is missing from People that. use me as blurbs. Uh, Jay Moore has used me as a blurb. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think he put me either as a chapter heading or right under his chapter heading. Fez is writing a book right now called I Don't Even Want to Write a Book. God's Making Me Do This. Can you believe this shit? So one of my favorite chapters around here is just called Dio. Another one I like is Def Leppard. Oh. Deep Purple. Nice. Metallica. Laura's all work. Ingrid Momstein. Many musicians grew up anywhere else in the world. Deep Purple is their biggest religion. And smoke on water alone is a reason for acknowledging them. No, not a lot of people don't give the purple credit. I don't know what they're probably. Eddie Trunk is ready to. Yeah, that's right. Here's Alice Cooper. Here's a picture of those two guys together. A lot of people don't give Alice fucking props. No, not at all. Eddie does. Come on, watch Wayne's World. Here's Eddie's playlist. Oh, nice. Well, he gives you some of his stuff. Oddly, he's got O'Caroline on his playlist. Hey, that works. Uh, oh, this is Cheap Trick. Oh, this is just his favorite Cheap Tricks. He has surrender down off a low. This is a hell of a book he's gotten. Is he Bono in there? Where do you see Bono? The 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 closest page you have. The, That's fucking Eddie Trunk. Oh, I don't know why he's dressed up like that though. You thought that this was Bono? No, I thought I saw a name Bono in the uh, headers. I believe I was wrong. That's Motorhead. Oh shit! Let me looks nothing like Bono. <laughs> Here's Motley Crue. It's got it all in here. This is fucking essential. All right, Fez, so how are we doing the characters today? 
Um, if you just introduce the characters, the characters will go right into their... Uh, no interaction at all, then. Now, why didn't we record these? No, no, no. There could be interaction, but that's I'm just saying how we could start them. All right. So is there going to be interaction? Um, with, a, uh, with a couple of them. Okay. All right. Why don't we break? We're right back, and you may hear Hicks and I interact with a couple of the characters. But new character day for Fez Waltley. It's a great time to call people, get a hold of them. And we got to do this fast because Eddie Trunk's coming in 20. Right back, running Fez. The virus. Sirius 197, XM202. Ron and Fez. Run a Fest show, and you hear that song, it only means one thing. Eddie Trunk's got a brand new book out. And of course, you said people like Lars said this was the reason they got into 
Rock and Roll, Deep Purple. Yeah, Deep Water. Purple. When I hear that song, all I can think of is a band that's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you can, compre- you if you can possibly comprehend that, that's the truth. Well, they should have went in for Highway Star alone. There was no other reason. She went in for Child in Time alone. Nobody can scream like that in the history true. of music. It's insane. It's, I wasn't even going to bring up Burn. A Mark III lineup is great. Yeah. So for you, you still you're angry over the Rock and Roll Hall oh. of Fame. See my TV show last this season, mm-hmm. uh, this latest episode yeah. with Ace Freely. I mean, I, I I can't. People love that I hammer it, man. They, yeah. they I get so many emails of encouragement about that. I don't do it for that. I don't do it for effect. I just do it because it makes me sick to my stomach. And most people, the problem is most people don't realize that these bands are not in. Alice Cooper, who just went in, just went in after being ignored for fifteen years, said that in a few interviews. He said every interview I've done, they've all said. Well, we thought you were in. How could you not have been in? No, no, he was ignored for 15 years. Why did he still go in, then? Why did he let him do it? Why did they go in? Why, why did he? Why wouldn't he say, don't put me in your fucking... Rock? I wish what, someone would do that, Ronnie. The Pistols did it. They kind of did. They sent a note or something, Yeah, right? they sent a note said, fuck you, and <laughs> you stupid hall. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's great, too. Because uh, no one does it. You know, it's not like baseball, where you're like, what an honor. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there's, bands, like, and there's bands that have gone in and, and somewhat publicly actually slammed it to me afterwards. Geezer Butler did. Uh, Black, you know, Black yeah. Sabbath's in there. Brian Johnson did when ACDC went in. He said, it's so not rock and roll. It's and, and as I've said many times, even when they get it right, it's wrong. Because to me, Alice will always have an asterisk next to him. Because they snubbed him for 15 years. It is true. That's bullshit. Essential hard rock and heavy metal. Uh, Eddie Trunk's essential hard rock and heavy metal available bookstores, and, of course, Amazon.com. You are the voice of this kind of music right now. You are the shining beacon for these people. Uh, <laughs> I, I know it's difficult to hear. Yeah. No no one has kept this out there the way you have, Eddie. You know, Take some credit for you yourself. Know, well, thanks. I mean, listen, I've heard that from artists. When you look at the quotes on the back of the book from people like Slash and all these guys, it's, it's, it's almost like they're talking about another person to me. It really is because I'm not just trying to sound like an overly humble guy or whatever, but honestly, I, I just consider myself still just a big fan that got lucky to work in this area. I don't, I'm gonna, not going to lie. I put in a ton of hard work, went through a ton of bullshit for the last 30 years to get here. But the fact that these people are, uh, these people, these, I have this fan base that I do and mm. the respect to the artists, it means the world to me. And that's why in the cover of the book, Ronnie, when, when people talked about the cover, well, well do you want to put a certain band on right. the cover? No. Do you want to put you on the cover? No. The the shot, to me, sums up everything of my world, and that's a shot from 1987 before an Anthrax concert at a club in in, in Brooklyn that's no longer there called Lemoore. And look at those people. That's yeah. that's my – I was – the only reason why I wasn't in that crowd be, is was just before that shot was taken, I had introduced the band, and that was the reaction. Um, madness. Heavy metal parking lot. It's what it's all been about for you. Yet you've never had the metal look of these kids. You don't no. look like your own own audience. I always hated the stereotypes that came with heavy metal. And if people want to look like that, that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just, for me, never felt the need to. I mean, I, I you know, my hair's been a little longer, but I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any piercings. I love when people that have never seen me before say, "Oh, you don't really." 
actor seem like a metal guy. That's a compliment to me. I you're mean, the only I, you guy don't have ever, to be that way. Yeah, you're the only guy who's ever done a hard rock show without a crazy name or like, hey, everybody, welcome to the show. No. You know, you don't you don't try to act like you're the rock star. I don't do that stuff. I, I my name is my real name, and uh, I you very rarely, if ever, see me doing the devil horn thing and the. the, the I only rarely do it too. <laughs> it's. I did an interview the other day, and the guy said to me, "Wow, you know, tell me about Dio and the devil horns." I said, "You don't understand." That actually is the complete opposite of a devil-type gesture. The origins of that is that Ronnie was a, Italian. His last name is Padovana. And I knew this because I'm half Italian, but that actually in Italian folklore is warding away evil spirits. It's you, the Malloy. You go, yeah, the Malloy. You go sideways with it to keep it right. Away. And that's where Ronnie took that from. The Italians will do that if someone even says something nice about a grandchild. They'll go like this to try to take the thing off. I don't know why they... They think anybody who says, like, oh, what a pretty baby wants to steal it later, so they'll get it off. Um, Fezzi, I handed you a note. Rowan came up with a box of cupcakes, a peace offering, and you've you've shaken me off twice now. Yeah, I, I don't want... I just want, saw him walk back down the hall. That's fine. Let Roland go eat his own cupcakes. I don't want anything to do with Roland. I, I, I don't want a peace offering. I'm really, really hurt over what happened. And no, I don't, I don't want to make a cupcake thing out of this. I'm seriously hurt. Over what happened? What if they're Ron Bennington cupcakes? I would love a Ron Bennington cupcake, but not from Roland. Could you at least let him come in and, and even if Sam brings him out, just tries to state his case, or you don't want any part of it? No, I don't. I, I don't want any. Two seconds. It's no. Takes two seconds. No, because it's not. It's not any sort of bit let me ask to you me. Other guy. Hicks, would you like a cupcake? Um, I like cupcakes. Eddie, would you like a, cu a cupcake? Come on, I like Hicks. I love a cupcake. I like a cupcake. Zito would like a cupcake. Maybe while you're yelling at him, we could all be eating one of those cupcakes. Mm. Or do you think maybe he's pissed on him and that's his way of getting even? I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it that this thing is going to go even further. You try to poison my name in the building, and then I wouldn't doubt that the cupcake liners have been wiped with. He feels like they're playing a political game with him. Roland has turned the talent department against I was him. listening on the way in. I'm glad I came in on such a light day. It is. <laughs> every day is like that with us now. We've really turned nuts. Um, let's go through. And Now, you didn't pick every band. I did pick. Well, I, I picked. But, I mean, every band, every big rock band out there didn't make it. No, no, no. That, that was, you know, that was a... T that, huh. That was a tough, tough thing. Is Listen, the book is called Eddie Trunk's Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. It's my world. It's the stuff that was important to me. Every band, there's a personal story. Every band, there's amazing live shots that people, for the most part, have never seen, done by a friend of mine, uh, Ron Akiyama, who's followed me all over and been a friend forever and taken these photos for over 30 years. So there's a personal connection to a lot of the photos. But I, I was going through this thing and I'm like, okay, well, you know, do I include this guy? Do I include this band? And I just really narrowed it down to bands that I felt were important and in some cases, selfishly bands I just really liked. At the end of the book, Ronnie, you'll see the last couple pages, it says more essentials. And there's about 15 bands there. They're only one paragraph long with no picture. And the reason why that is is because I didn't realize, like, I'm naive. I never did a book before, okay? So I started writing. I'm like, oh, I got 15 more bands I want to do. So I sit down. I start writing them out. I send those all this into the to the editor, and she says to me, 
there's no room for this. So what do you mean? Just add pages. It's a book. Right. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that in publishing there are benchmarks. In other words, I think that book is 256 pages. Right. If you go three more pages, then it bumps it to 330, and then it changes the price point yeah, and all that. Yeah, all that kind of changes. The so money. I just she said you got to cut this way back. So everyone's already said you got to do another book, and I'm like, well, there's the start of it right there because all 15 of those little mini bands at the end have full chapters written. I just couldn't fit them. You couldn't do it. You didn't, didn't get a Night Ranger. You didn't get in a Quiet Riot. White Snake, get... I really wanted to get in, and, and, I, and they just put out a great new album, and I missed them in there, Queensryche. There's a lot of stuff. But the, there's 35 main full-blown chapters with photos, playlists, little anecdotes, and personal stories. And for those 35 bands, looking back on it now, those pretty much for me were either personally important or I felt important to the time I grew up in the scene. Mm -hmm. And and talking about the time I grew up in the scene, that's a really important thing to distinguish because that really is what that – if you grew up in the 80s, you know, late 70s and into the 80s, into the rock scene, those were the bands that did it for you for the most part. Mm. And that was the high watermark for most people. Yeah. You you would sometimes say the 70s. Where the my it, favorite bands are still from the seventies, mm-hmm. you know Rush, Kiss, Van Halen, you know, Deep Purple. I mean, st- the seventies to me still uh, Aerosmith, ACDC. I mean, all these bands, even though they had huge success in the eighties, the best stuff is all in the seventies. Now, do you have a problem with uh, Steven Tyler doing the? I did. Mm-hmm. It did. I did. It bothered me because to me he is. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, American rock star that we have. He is still incredible. I saw them last summer. He still sings amazingly, still fronts the band amazingly. And I've never in my life to this day seen American Idol, but I know what it is, obviously. And to me, I just I don't want to see this icon judging a karaoke contest, which is how I view it. Uh, I just don't – I just – he's too – high up for that and it's funny because i got some heat on twitter from some people when jericho did dancing with the stars i was laughing very hard about that because they're like oh you're not killing jericho because he's a friend of yours wait a minute when did jericho become an american rock icon jericho's a pro wrestler who is an entertainer looking to advance his career i'd be a dummy for not being on the biggest show on tv jericho's a joke no i'm not saying he's a joke at all he's a talented guy but (laughs) he's not steven tyler that's the thing that Steven Tyler and Ozzy have both tainted this thing as somehow becoming silly and harmless when really these were two gigantic rock stars. Gigantic rock stars. Think about the mystique of Ozzy. The, this, the, mm-hmm. you know, now Ozzy's nickname was the Prince of Darkness. Now if you call Ozzy the Prince of Darkness, you almost chuckle after you say it. I know, because like, he's on. a joke. But when I was a little kid, you were kind of scared of Ozzy. You were like, Same with no, Kiss. fucking Ozzy has done shit. You Same know? with Kiss. Yeah. Go back to the seventies with Kiss. You were petrified of Kiss. Who was behind the masks? Was yeah. you know who are they really? Does the guy? Did he have a cow's tongue sewn on? Is he spitting real blood? All this stuff. Now you see him as businessmen. It's a corporate entity. Uh, are these guys back out there again. They want to yeah. talk to you. I don't want to. Ta- I don't want to talk to Rollin. I don't want his cupcakes. You could, know, could Eddie and Hicks have a cupcake? Uh, th- 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 let him come in and let him say one thing. And I don't if- want the cupcake if it's going to agitate Fez. Well, do you think that there's piss on it? I think there's a good possibility there's piss on that cupcake. I wouldn't, doubt I, know it. If, if I wouldn't Fez doubt Fez talked about me the way he has, I piss on the cupcake. I, I wouldn't doubt it if this is some sort of thing where I'm uh, supposed to get a cupcake in the face. 
Oh, I didn't even oh, think of that. Jesus. Well, your dad just died, though. Now, that doesn't matter to people. What people? Roland. Any other people? No, I mean, just Roland. Matters to Eddie and, and Hicks. Yeah. Um, you can only have one band in this whole thing. Who's a few? Queen? Still Queen? Ooh, the, <laughs> the personally most important band to me? Yeah. The band that started it all for me was Kiss. And it still feels that way all these years later. The band that to me feels the most important to me and whose music moves me the most now, not that I still don't love Kiss, but there's been so much that's gone on with them, is UFO. Mm. And I mean, that, that band choice. to me, their music has held up. And it's a much more of an under-the-radar band. I understand that. I understand half the people listening are probably like, what? Who? But to me... Giant in England, right? Not much bigger, but yeah. I would, but I, that'd be overestimated. But here, you know, seventy seven, seventy eight, they had a big moment with Lights Out uh, and Too Hot to Handle, semi hits. But yeah, they they were they had their own demons. I mean, drug problems, uh, lineup changes. Their guitar hero was Michael Schenker. He left at the peak of their popularity. But go back and listen to any of the records with Schenker on them. Records with Chapman, the guy who replaced him, are brilliant. They're still around. They're playing here in New York soon, and they've got a guitar player named Vinnie Moore. They made three great records with them. So. Their music just takes me back and also still today works for me. I'm going to give you another bold choice you put in here. A lot of metal fans would disagree. Guns N' Roses in here. Mm-hmm. A lot of metal fans will go, I hate Guns N' Roses. Really? I hear it time and time again, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. They they felt like that was the beginning of the end where the last couple of years and then by the 1990s, and a lot of it had to do with Axel not carrying the flag or whatever. Uh I don't know. I never got that sense. And you have to also recognize something throughout my entire career, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, and now with this book right on the cover, it says hard rock and heavy metal. To me, they're two different genres. I've always dealt with both on anything I've done. And in that book, you're going to find Bon Jovi and Billy Squire, and you're going to find Poison, and you're also in that same book going to find Slayer and Metallica and Megadeth. I always operated in both worlds without any bias, and I've always liked both worlds and presented them equally. Mm-hmm. However, I distinguish between the two because one side to me is clearly hard rock. The other side is heavy metal. Uh, the guys are still waiting to talk to Fez. You want to at least let them come in and make their case, Fez? No, no. They can wait all night for all I care. I don't want Roland's cupcakes. Roland can just stand there in the booth if he wants to so wherever he's at. this thing to ever end. No. It can never end. I've ended it. I'm staying away from Roland. What about I if, ended it. What about if Roland ups the ante from cupcakes and maybe like a nice pastrami from the Carnegie Deli? Oh. Uh, I'm no fan of the Carnegie Deli. No fan of How all. about a burger from Johnny Hard Rock? Uh, if we're going to go burger, no. He would be less. <laughs> I, by the way, I, he knows there how... There goes my party tomorrow night. He knows how his food is. <laughs> now, we're coming We're coming to the pre-thing and then the, everybody can come in at 7 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, there's. Um, I don't know if you can come now after you just said about his food. But. Johnny understands. <laughs> I'm the one who got him out of that bad hair that he was sporting. <laughs> there's a bunch of events for the book. The, the official release date is tomorrow, although it's out everywhere right now. And, uh, yeah, tomorrow night it all kicks off at the Hard Rock. It's open to the public starting at 7. And, yes, there's a little pre-party uh, invite-only thing starting at 5 there as well. Uh, and can I hit the other signings that I have? Confirmed? All, of them. all right, cool. Uh, this Tuesday, uh, Mendham Books, Mendham, New Jersey at 7 o'clock. Um, Wednesday the 6th 
at uh, Bookends, Ridgewood, New Jersey. And then Thursday, Book Review, Huntington, Long Island. Those are all at 7 o'clock and all next week. And then Saturday, the 9th, Vintage Vinyl in Fords, New Jersey. And that's at 4 o'clock. And this one's really cool. Saturday, the 16th, at Books a Million in the Sawgrass Mills Mall in Sunrise, Florida. Starting at 3 o'clock because Iron Maiden is playing in Fort Lauderdale that night at the arena in Sunrise. Right across the street is the mall, Sawgrass Mills, and in that mall is a bookstore. So I'm going to do a book signing starting at 3, and people all park in that mall parking lot anyway and walk across to go to the arena. So they can come come to the bookstore, hang out, and then we'll all go over and see Maiden. So that's on the 16th. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Roland is here, and Sam, they came in anyway, Fez. They just... Yeah, I don't, Roland, seriously, I'm taking this seriously. What happened? I don't want any cupcakes. I, my feelings are really hurt. I don't know if we're allowed to. If Fez is oh, yeah, on, I I'm can't, not, and I would love a cupcake, but if Fez is saying that taking a cupcake, it feels like a stab to him on a certain day. Yeah. You're not even bringing up why today's important to you. But there's no way to kind of just be, you know, friends. He's just saying... This is Rowan's way of saying, I was a dick, I was an asshole, I fucked you over for no reason, I shouldn't have done it, I just did it to make myself look better. Right, Rowan? Yeah. Yeah. They've got like sparkles on them and stuff, they do look good. Where are they from? Magnolia. See, I'm not a big fan of Magnolia. No, Amy's is fucking awful. There's only one place called Molly's Cupcakes. Molly's Cupcakes. No, I'm telling no. you right now, Molly's is way better. Molly's is the only place that has the Ron Bennington cupcake. Greatest cupcake of all time. It's the number one selling cupcake in the country. It's New one York? thing. Well, they're coming to New York. They'll be in New York very shortly. Um, sorry, William. Because there's no way that you guys can be friends. No, no. It's just, I- Do you have a problem with me doing the Ron and Sammy Sweetheart show? In between O&A and Ron Fest. I'm not mad at Sam. Oh, I have good. no problem with Sam. Thank God. Oh, Thank God. All right, Roland, I'm sorry. I know, I know one thing, that you did try to make a peace offering, and Fez is just not having it at this time. I wish you a good show. All right, thank you. Wow, that was uncomfortable. I think it was trying to make a joke out of the whole thing. Well, that I took very seriously what he did to me. He didn't apologize, and what I said is what he... Look, Zito's yelling after him for a cupcake. Oh, I would Zito. never trust him. I never trust Zito. Zito, don't, don't learn to not eat See, the cupcakes. thing about you that makes you a, r- a real guy, Yeah. and Eddie, too, we'd all love a cupcake. Yeah. But since our buddy isn't... <laughs> it's gonna, thank you. Like, you've been at thing, and your buddy's kicked out of the bar, and you're like, fuck it, then we're all yeah, together. Yeah, absolutely, you know? I appreciate the friendship. Thank you. It's got to show some unity here. Thank you. Yeah. Um... They did look good, though. You we know. don't know what was done to those. You think he fucked them? I th- yeah, I think there was something. Scru- I think either, he fucked and came in those cupcakes. Either there was something sprinkled on them, inedible. What or- did he did to explain to people that maybe didn't hear it all? What exactly did Roland do to you that has you so angry? He made up a story of something that uh, he claims I did, which I did not do, and then uh, apparently took it up and down the hallway trying Mm. to get friends of mine and people that I work with and enjoy working with to try to turn against me, to try to poison these people's minds against me. One thing you're lucky about is you're not here for all the corporate backstabbing. You're a weekend guy. I'm a a one-day-a-week guy. They don't even know I work here. But look at some of the other people who are just here on the weekends. Uh, 
You're looking at the New York Dolls do a show, right, on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So you can't beat some of that. Mm-mm. So, Francis, you're saying it was a conquer and divide mentality, it sounds like. I don't know what the, what the reason was behind the, it. Well, there's a lot of stuff that happens with this where people go, if I make someone else look bad, then I look good. And Fez claims that's what happened to him. Yeah. And they're starting to paint Fez as crazy or twisted. And, and like, I don't, don't need trust, that, Eddie. Don't trust Fez with a publicist or a big act. Well, I'll tell you, you don't understand. I've known you guys for a long time. I never sense that from Fez. Fez has always been... Fez is the likable one. Yeah, Fez stops and talks to me on the street all the time. He's the likable one. Where I'm like, if you don't have a vagina, I'm not that fucking interested (laughs) in anything that you have to say. Uh, Fox is a very interesting question uh, for Eddie Trunk. It's the essential hard rock and heavy metal book here. Uh, Fox, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I listen to Eddie for years. I watch his show, and you know he champions hard rock and heavy metal, but he really, really doesn't give give their due. Like Soundgarden, you know, Cornell, inarguably one of the best rock hard rock pipes ever. Agreed. Um, I agree with you. Allison Chains, but I mean, you seem to ignore like those. I just mentioned those two bands completely. Because you have to understand something. First of all, I, I went to see Chris Cornell two nights in a row when he played solo at the Beacon last year. I love Chris Cornell and I love Soundgarden. I love Allison Chains. But you got to understand, it's all a question of when you grew up and what period is important to you. I'm 46 years old. I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. That's when the music that really was attached to me and ingrained in me became an issue. Clearly, I love that stuff. There may be another book at some point I will. But it, it, in my world, in TV and radio, I have a niche. You can't be all things to all people. Just like you're saying about that stuff, there is just as many people out there that will say, what about death metal? What about progressive metal? What about this? What about that? Listen, there's a million styles of music. This is my niche. This is my world. And this is what I'm known for. This is the this, the, the pool I swim in. doesn't mean I don't like that stuff, but it's what most of the people I deal with want to hear or see. But sometimes you're saying even you want to get out of, in your own personal life, you don't want to just have hard rock and heavy metal. You might listen to some jazz in your car. No. You might listen to some singer-songwriter stuff. Mm, You might want a little relaxation. No. Everything I go to in music has got to be rock for the most part, some sort of rock. I need loud guitars, and I need that sort of thing. I mean, I like other sorts of bands. There's a ton of bands I love personally that aren't in that book. There's a ton of bands I love personally I don't play on the radio or have on my TV show because there's this line, and you have to know where that line is between what, you know, what people want, the most people want to know, and what maybe two or three people are going to want to know about. But I love a band like Soul Asylum, I think, are phenomenal. I'm not going to put them in my book on hard rock and heavy metal. And you should go hard rock, heavy metal, and Soul Asylum, and that could be it, and everybody's covered. <laughs> my <laughs> first ever favorite band was a band, the Raspberries. I think I told you so this, you a power away. pop band. Yeah. My first, and that's really the band that started it all for me. But they're not in the book. That wouldn't make sense to most people. Here's Anthony, you're on Hey, Eddie, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, coming from the uh, bands that you grew up with, uh, what was your thoughts on Uriah Heep? I got a lot of questions and emails. I went through my email last night. A ton of people asked me about Uriah Heep. Personally, I was never into him. Uh, the, what I've heard from them, uh, what I do know was a little bit keyboard dominant. Anything mm-hmm. where there's too much keyboards, it kind of throws me a little bit. And that's all, and, and they were never really that big here in America, so they never had you know, they a big out, imp- imprint on me. They sold stadiums there like at the same time, or arenas, 
at the same time Deep Purple did, but then for some reason they didn't have any traction. I think they were dope addicts. They were you, Uriah Heep, because maybe it's a little earlier, too. I think they're even early 70s, late yeah, 60s. Are. But Uriah Heep was an arena act in America, headlining yeah. arenas? I know they headlined the Spectrum before. Really? Yeah. That's, that's surprising really to me. Um, I'm going to actually try to look this up. Look up, just see if you can get the Spectrum thing, Uriah Heep, because I remember that... Around the time of Magician's birthday. Mick Box was the guy, I remember, um, one of the main guys. Here is uh, Larry. Larry, uh, you're on with Eddie Trunk. There you go. Hi, buddy. Hello, Mr. 1978. Um, 1978, they were in. That's an album, too. They recorded yeah. an album there, huh? So go back through some more of it. Yeah, you got to make sure that's just not the one show they ever did in their life in an arena, and they captured it for an album, you know? Uh, Larry, you're on my fizz. Hi, buddies, and, and hello, Mr. Trunk. Hey, I man. wanted to ask you a question about the hair bands and also ask if you ever listened to any of the early Grand Funk, the funk, the pre-Craig Frost, uh, produced by Terry Knight and recorded in Cleveland Grand Funk. And also, about, you know, what, what you thought of hair bands, because of I, cause I thought the musicianship was really raised with uh, Warren Demartini and C.C. DeVille. All right, well, let's let them uh, do these one at a time. Well, as far as the... Um Grand, as far as Grand Funk, I mean, I, I know the Mark Farner classic trio Grand Funk. I don't know the real tons of history on Grand Funk, but I, I, you know, I liked some of their stuff. I remember as a little kid having like the locomotion on 45 and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but as, uh, to answer your question, and it, it, to be honest with you, it's a term I hate, hairbands, because I understand it. I understand why people say that, but to me, it's pretty dis disparaging because if you look at any band in the 80s in that MTV the heyday era, they all look that way. Even Ozzy looked that way. Look at the shot in the dark video. Ozzy has poofed out hair, eyeliner, and a sequin robe running around in that video. Everyone looked that way as as rock musicians in the 80s. So to me, hairband kind of has a negative connotation to it. I don't usually ever use the term. That being said, I think there were some great bands in the 80s. I think a lot of bands that got marginalized and lumped into that category were, were really shouldn't have been. They unfairly got beat up. A band like Tesla, great band, never a hair band. Right. Always jeans and T-shirt, you know, kind of an Aerosmith type band. But all of a sudden, when that scene was deemed uncool, everybody what, got wiped away. What made it happen, too, that even when it was still big, it was kind of getting giggled at? there for a while did something i think the look i mean yeah. when you look at these and there was a point i worked in the record industry too which i talk about in the book in the 80s and i remember there was a period there i worked for a record label from 86 to 90 and and i was an a and r guy and i remember there was a time where they were dispatching a and r guys because of the 8 by 10 that came in no one even listened to the demo it, the 8 by 10 came in if the lead singer was good looking and people thought the chicks were going to like them. You sent, you go went to see the show. You go see the show. Songs aren't so good. We'll find songwriters. Musicianships aren't so good. We'll find guys that can play in the studio. It was all about marketing that image. And then after a while, you got a lot of shit bands. That's how the record companies fuck themselves. Yeah. And people never want to go back and blame blah blah blah. Are a lot of people are sending this in. Here's 1974. Uriah Heep did an arena tour. With uh, Man for Man as an opening. See, act. that's the the reason why I'm losing that is because that's a little before even my time. Because mm -hmm. for me, my first record was '76. I was 12, and it was Kiss. Right. So my formative years of getting really into hard rock so was just late not about '70s. The, yeah, it's not about the '70s feel. It's late '70s. So your Kiss 
uh, over even Black Sabbath because Black Sabbath was mainly my first Sabbath album was Heaven and Hell. Okay. I talk about that in the book, and then of course I went back and bought the Ozzy Sabbath. But eight, 1980, 16 years old. See, for me, when I discovered Kiss in 70, 76 mm-hmm. and got Destroyer. Everything changed. That was the first band I had that wasn't like 1910 Fruit Gum Company, Bubblegum Kid Pop, right? So for about three years, Kiss consumed me. Anything... Any other band was a threat to Kiss. Every wall in my my bedroom was Kiss posters. Then around 78, the first band I let infiltrate that wall was Aerosmith. And then I found Sabbath. And then I went crazy and, and got into the whole thing. So it really just depends upon your age group and where you dropped into the scene. Uh, here's Andrew. Andrew, you're on manifest. Hey, Ronnie B. Hey, Eddie. What's your opinion on Led Zeppelin, who basically the first couple of albums... They just took old blues songs and reworked them and took credit for it. Well, they did. I mean, that's obviously been documented a number of times. But, yeah, they reworked them. And, but they, I think they put enough of their spin and stamp on them mm-hmm. that if they just were, if they did shitty versions of those and didn't rework them to a point that made them their own, we wouldn't be talking about them as one of the greatest bands of all time. And all those bands have that kind of stuff in the beginning of their career at some point. Look at what they evolved into. For me, one of my favorite Zeppelin albums is Physical Graffiti. That was many albums later. And that one isn't really considered to be the, a blues ripoff record. But, yeah, I mean, maybe some of those blues guys should have gotten paid for sure if they didn't. But uh, I think Zeppelin put enough of their own spin on it to make it unique. And the money probably wasn't going to those blues guys anyway. Money probably know. wasn't going to Zeppelin early on either. Yeah. Those record deals were horrible. Eddie Trunks here. His new book is Eddie Trunks Essential Hard Rock and Heavy Metal. That's in stores now and at Amazon.com. He's got a signing at the Hard Rock Cafe tomorrow night starting at 7 p.m. For the other signings, you go to EddieTrunk.com. And, and on create, Twitter, too, yeah. at Eddie Trunk. I'm sending out a ton of stuff on the Twitter stuff, I understand too. that you won't answer people on Twitter, though. I, I do sometimes. I, look, I just learned how to use it. Do you see this thing? I, I just got an iPhone two days ago. I'm struggling with it big time. But because of it, I can now see how... Before, I, when I I sent out like a Regis. tweet. You're like the Regis of hard rock. I, so I'm pathetic, Ronnie. When I, before, when I used to send out a tweet, it was like a text message. I just mm. texted a code out of my phone. I didn't even know you could go to a site yeah. and do it until just recently. So I'm learning. Um, I think we made a major mistake on those cupcakes. We'd all be full right now. I think all of us here on the panel. And there's milk. Like, there's I still milk? can't believe, I appreciate I still the can't believe you don't like Carnegie. That's my favorite pastrami Carnegie Deli. Yeah. No, you had like a bad experience? I just I think of it as the tourist deli place. See, stage is awful. Stage is the I tourist, really and stage. it's overpriced and awful. But Carnegie is still the best pastrami to me. But. No. I'm going to take you places. Take, take me. Yeah, we got to go. I'm going to take you. I'm going to meet you on the Lower East Side, and we're going to have just – we'll make a fine – you know, we've always talked about that. And we've talked about taking Hard Rock Johnny out before we insult him today. But we always want to do that <laughs> Italian night out, too. We should probably do that before it gets too warm, because you don't want to eat a lot of Italian food on a fucking hot night. These guys are crazy. Uh, Joe, you're on a fizz. Joe, do we got you? Hey, hey, good to talk to you guys. Eddie, Eddie I was wondering if you're doing a book signing anywhere else other than uh, Florida and Jersey. You I'm know- here in North Carolina, and I used to, I used to live in Jersey, uh, right there in uh, 
Monmouth County, but uh, I got out of there a while to get was good. You know, uh, I've got uh, – it's one of the things I'm getting hit, hit on the most about on Twitter and email is book signings around the country. And as I would absolutely love to come to so many places, but it's just not going to work economically and it's not going to work with my schedule. But that being said, I'm going to be doing these throughout the year. I mean, the book launches tomorrow, but I'm going to be doing stuff all year long. So if you just follow me on my site or on Twitter, I'll let you know. I'm hoping to have one to announce soon in Chicago. Uh, one in Los Angeles. It looks very likely that I'm going to be doing a signing, and this should be really huge, at the uh, Big Four on the site of the Big Four show wow. in Indio, California next month, which is Metallica, Anthrax, Megadeth, Slayer, the first time they all played in America ever. And I have a setup where I'm actually going to be on the festival grounds selling and signing books, and that's just about to be confirmed. So if you're on the West Coast and you're going to the Big Four, you should see me there. But I want to do a ton more. It's just a question of where, how, when. I'm going to go see UFO in Chicago in May, so I'll piggyback off of that with the signing, kind of like I'm doing with the Iron Maiden show in Fort Lauderdale, trying to couple up with where I know there's going to be common audience. All right, if you ever also want to get uh, connected to Eddie, there's always a link on the 202 Friends page. Freddie Trunk. Um, let's go over here to Steve. Steve, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Eddie. Um, I wanted to, uh, I'm glad to hear that you got Night Ranger right now. I mean, that's one of my favorite bands. It's hard to it's hard to deal with Jeff Watson not being in a band anymore. But all my favorite bands are from uh, San Francisco. I want you to comment on the life of Bill Kennymore, the uh, bass player for YIT. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, Thank you. I, I, you know, Night Ranger in there again. Night Ranger is one of those bands like Mr. Big Extreme. You hear the name, people think uh, cheesy ballad band. Right. How is that in a book like that? You don't know any better if you think that because Night Ranger early on was a dueling hard rock guitar band, and they re listen to some of that early stuff. It's really good. They have a mention in the book. They're not one of the main chapters. Y and T also have a mention in the book, not a main chapter. Maybe they'll be in the sequel. I don't know. But Phil Kenimore was their bassist and Dave Menachetti's right-hand guy for nearly 40 years. Uh, tremendous guy, but obviously things caught up to him, his lifestyle. Uh, Dave said, you know, the guy smoked for almost 40 years with him and on the road. And he never saw him without a cigarette, and cancer took him down pretty hard and pretty quick. And, and along those same lines, not as a smoker, but as far as cancer, one of the toughest things for me to do in this book was I had written an entire, the entire chapter on Ronnie James Dio, mm -hmm. and then Ronnie died after the chapter was done. And I was asked to be the host of his public memorial in, in Los Angeles, which was an amazing honor. And I stood there and, and did the memorial in L.A., then came back and had to basically hit delete on the chapter I had written on Ronnie and redo the whole thing fresh from his funeral. So it's a very different tone. It's very fresh. It's very raw, what I wrote in there. And Rob Halford was with me at the funeral, mm -hmm. and Rob did the foreword for the book. I mean, how could he get better than that? How would you have done it differently if, you know, he went on one on what was the, what was the change in tone about? Um, well, it went, the chapter became, it was a much, much of it was just pure celebration of his music and right. how great of a guy he was and all that. And then obviously it, it changed to, okay, now, th now the man's gone. So I'm talking about him, A, in the past tense, and I'm also talking about him uh, in terms of I, I talk in detail about what went on at his services mm -hmm. because there were three services, and I went to all three of them. Only one was open to the public. So I talk a little bit about my experience. I mean, it was when I, I was asked to speak at his funeral, and I figured I was just going to be one of 10, 15 people to get up and say a few words. And... Uh, 
when I got there, his wife manager met me for lunch the day before, and she said, "Well, here's your rundown, and here's who you. What, what do you mean? Well, you, no, you're 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 the guy. You're doing the whole thing. What? So here I was with, you know, my friend's casket at my feet, three four thousand people at Forest Lawn Cemetery, and my job was to riff and bring people up and keep the thing moving, and it lasted for almost four hours. Performance is everything. I mean, it just kept going. And I was on this zone and just trying to do it. And some people that were there said they thought it was one of the greatest things they ever saw me bring out uh, in terms of just off the cuff. If that's the case, that's great because it was all for Ronnie because he was the best. And the book is dedicated to him, and it's also dedicated to Eric Carr, who was the late drummer in Kiss, who died 20 years ago. So you have a guy who passed away recently and a guy who passed away 20 years ago. But the thing they share is they were both great friends and they were both great talents and guys that just never put themselves above the fans. Mm. Great people. Uh, you introduced me to Dio one time over at the other uh, place, and it was really um, strange to, uh, again, one of those guys that you almost don't think about as real, but then when he came in there, regular guy, you know, just a performer. But Dio was a guy that I always had in the back of my head as maybe a poster, not a real human being. You know, mm. it's just crazy how, uh, particularly when you grow up with certain people and see them from a certain place, it's almost hard to think of some of these people as regular folks. And we talked about that with Steven Tyler, how you can start and mess that up by becoming too accessible. Ozzy became too accessible, where now it's hard to take him back to that iconic status. Mm. Ronnie walked that line brilliantly, I think. Yeah. He, was, he was a guy that... Uh, People who met him, loved him, and worshipped him, and he, you, he could just say hi to you for 10 seconds, but you felt like it was genuine. Yeah. It wasn't like a, just a rock star brush off. Uh, I was fortunate enough to know him on a personal level. I talked to him through the times that he was sick and going through his treatments. I did one of the last ever interviews for him for the, uh, there was a Heaven and Hell DVD that came out from, uh, it's called 30 Years of Heaven and Hell. A concert was from Germany. I did all the bonus stuff, the interviews with the guys for the bonus stuff, and Ronnie, um, uh, Ronnie had a, the, a valve in his chest at the time we were doing the interview where he was taking chemo. I mean, it was really, really tough. And he was really, you know, one of my favorite stories about Ronnie is when I called him up when he was first uh, diagnosed with cancer and I, I, I was trying to lift his spirits. I was so bummed out uh, internally, he could tell. And I hung up the phone and he turned it around and he was at the end of the conversation pumping me up. Sure. He made me feel better. I hung up my, the phone and my wife said, you're smiling. What's up? I said, you know, Ronnie just, you know, Ronnie just made me feel great. Ronnie is, uh, you know, he, he's telling me everything's going to be okay. He just had a way about him. And his wife and manager told me that they, he always hated doing interviews. But he loved doing interviews with me because I knew his career, I knew his music, and we just had that connection. And uh, one of the guys from his crew told me, I didn't, never knew this, that he used to refer to me as the, the intellect of metal. You know? That's so, interesting. Because, again, I wasn't one of these guys, hey, fucking Dio, what's going on? Fucking devil, yeah. Ones, yeah, you know? He loved the fact that I talked to him about what, you know, his music. And Ronnie had a lot of sides to him. People don't know. His career went back to the 50s. Ronnie and the Red Caps, he played trumpet. Very musical guy. Yeah. And, and the last thing is when I did a radio tribute to him here on Sirius XM, had all these people calling in after he died. And there's one guy blowing up my cell phone as I'm on the air. I'm looking at it flashing. It's Tom Morello. And Morello, I, I played a song. I had three minutes left in my show. I called Tom back. I said, Tom, what's up? He said, I'm listening to this show. It's unbelievable, but you've got to get me on. I said, Tom, in three minutes, 
this thing clicks off. I, I, I just get me on for thirty seconds. And what Morello, I did get him in at the end, and what he wanted to say was. I've been listening to this show for four hours, hearing all these people call in and say what a great metal singer Ronnie is, and I just want to correct him. He wasn't a great metal singer. He was a great singer, period. And he's right. Listen yeah. to the ballads with Rainbow that he did. He's done stuff with orchestras. He's known as that metal, metal guy, but there's much more to him than that. Well, that, that's also true. I've found out with so many musicians, too, that they don't necessarily put themselves in the, like the same genre that we do. You know what I mean? They see a lot of these guys see music just as music. You know, who's the biggest guy about that. A guy is considered a total icon in metal is Lemmy. Mm -hmm. You talk to Lemmy at any time. Lemmy does not believe it, it can't stand being called a metal musician. Doesn't think he has anything to do with metal. And in his view, he just plays in a very loud rock and roll band. I mean, think of the intro. When Motorhead starts every show, Lemmy walks to the microphone and says, we're Motorhead, we play rock and roll. And boom, that's how the show starts. Yeah. He does not think of himself as metal at all. He doesn't understand that, that connotation. There's so many guys, like even the punk guys, like Iggy doesn't think that he's a punk rock guy. He thinks he's rock and roll. Those guys had a much bigger umbrella, the early guys. Like rock and roll was enough. Before it started to get divided off, I got a break here, and we're going to come and wrap it up. Uh, Eddie Trunk, you got to pick this up: the essential hard rock and heavy metal. Um, check it out online. We'll be back to talk more about it. Eddie Trunk in studio with us today. The virus. Ron and Fez. The Ron and Fez show. Religious beliefs of Eddie Trunk, who believes that God gave rock and roll to us. Uh, Eddie Trunk, essential hard rock and heavy metal. Uh, great pictures in here. I'm going through, and so many of them are personal uh, pics of you. And again, who took these pictures, uh, these concert pictures? Because there's great rock and roll photography throughout this book. There certainly is, and those 99% of the photos in the book are taken by one person. His name is Ron Akiyama, and he's a guy that I literally grew up with, which is why the photos are so personally connected to me. I was with Ron at almost all of those shows. He, I would go sit in the front row, bang my head, and he would go and pull his camera out. You know what's cool about those shots in the 70s? He's got Zeppelin, he's got Van Halen, Sabbath, all these early 70s bands, too. Mm -hmm. Back then, he shot all that that stuff illegitimately like he used to work in a record store and it had a ticket master so if a big show was going on sale say van halen's going on sale at the garden tickets go on sale at nine well he'd open the door with the line waiting outside at 901 and in that 60 seconds he'd punch out four tickets in the front row to himself because he'd get the first ones that went on sale and then he had to go into the shows and smuggle 
the, you could ca- lose a camera, the cameras. In those days, yeah. yeah, I mean, you had to put it in your socks, your pants. It was a big camera. Uh, and he would later, of course, shoot legitimately for a lot of artists. He did a Joan Jett album cover. He did some stuff. But a lot of that stuff was shot from a fan perspective. But it's great stuff. It's never really most of it been published before. And it ties in directly with, with my scene. And the book itself is about 50% photos and 50% my stories and text. Well, this picture here, I mean, this is a, a, a rock and roll shot that that van halen would have used at any time what year is that does it in the caption on that too that's like 79 right very very early on uh when it says on still we're having fun yeah was having fun but all this fezzy goes back to alwick records in the Livingston mall (laughs) where it all really started (laughs) well that's how i know ron because ron and i worked at that record store together and that you this kind of reminds me of thing of like Quentin Tarantino worked in a video place. You get together with those guys. You argue about stuff. And uh, it's kind of one of the sad things that the record store doesn't exist anymore because you could end up learning more about music at a place like that than you could off of listening to most radio shows. You, you, Ronnie, you're so right. I, I worked in a record store for years, and I miss it. I, well, I don't miss it because I hated retail, dealing with people, mm-hmm. to be honest with you in that. But I miss the idea of the record stores, and you're you're so right. There was a point, even back then, when I was a kid working in a record store, I built a reputation as the guy who knew what the cool records were. Mm-hmm. There were people that would come in every day to the store, and whatever I'd point to them on the wall, they'd buy because they knew I we had the same connection. Flipping through the bins. I'll tell you what, though. I don't think it's dead. It's certainly extremely limited but it's not dead i i mentioned in my signings there's uh on on uh saturday the 9th of april i'm going to be doing a signing at a store called vintage vinyl it's in woodbridge fords new jersey area i grew up going to this record store and it is still there it's still doing well and guess what i was in there the other day dropping off some stuff i saw the owner i said you know your name has come full circle because he's selling more vinyl than anything in his store now Wow. And I was in L.A. a few weeks ago and went to Amoeba, huge record store on the West Coast. I was in there, people walking around with carts with a lot of CDs in them. So I don't think physical product is dead, I, and I don't think that all record stores are dead, but you have to find a way to diversify and make it work. Yeah. Well, bookstores are going through the same thing right now. Exactly. We're, we're losing bookstores in New York. Uh and the weird thing is the chain stores who knocked out the independents, now the chain stores are in trouble. Maybe this is the independents will be back. I don't know. Well, most of the book signings I r- rifled off before um, are independent records, yeah. uh, independent bookstores. And a lot of those guys are, you know, even, you know, my book is one thing, but even a guy like Sammy Hagar, who now has the number one book in the country, the, a New York Times bestseller, Sammy was in with me on my radio show a couple weeks ago. He really wanted that to happen. Where did he go on his book tour? All Mostly all mom-and-pop independent record stores because they've always been – you know, great on how to handle that stuff. Right. And they appreciate that kind of stuff, just like the record stores did. But also, I know there's this big move to digital books and Kindle and electronic right. books and stuff. People have asked me about that for my book, and eventually it will come out that way. But as you can see, Ronnie, looking through that book, you have to have – that's a book you have to have as a real book. Yeah, you want to hold on to this. And again, maybe it's a generational thing. Um, but it's the photo quality. It's yeah. the layouts. You want to flip through it. It's a great book to read on the can because it's, the chapters are kind of short. You could do a band uh, You should a do visit. some signings there. <laughs> and it's also fun because the fact that you could argue. 
about this book, yeah. what belongs here, what does, and what I love about it is Eddie Trunk's essential hard rock and heavy metal. You're not saying it's no. the essential. This is one guy's opinion. Absolutely, and, I, and that's what I said. I mean, anyone out there is going to have a debate. We do a segment on on that metal show on TV right now, uh, which we call the uh, we do the TMS Top Five, where we give the top five bases, top five whatever. We started doing it last season. It we argue about it like lunatics. But you got to see what goes on online after we do it. Right. You, it's the great. You made the greatest decision, or you're the biggest asshole in the world. You didn't include this guy. I mean, it inspires debate amongst people that care about this stuff, and that's why you do any sort of list. So there's no right or wrong answer. But for me, if you're in that age group, 30 to 45, and you lived that world, those bands, for the most part, you're going to find at least half of them very important to you. Here's uh, Ken. Ken, you're on with Eddie Trunk. Hey guys, I have to say it was so great to hear Eddie talk about my very old friend Ron Akiyama. Because before Ron worked at Alwick with me, we worked at a store in South Orange, New Jersey called Village Music. That's where I first met Ron. And I can back up Eddie's stories about Ron's Ticketmaster, although it was then called Ticketron. Yeah. Still. Um, there, there, we got a, a, a fax, I guess they called it a telefax or something in those days at four o'clock one afternoon that said Bruce Springsteen tickets going on sale tomorrow at the Palladium in New York City. This must have been 78. I think it might have been the darkness tour at any rate. And it said, do not inform the general public. Well, the next morning we got there at nine o'clock. Uh, Ron just started, without worrying about whether there would be people to buy them, Ron just started punching on that Ticketmaster machine, and he was so good at it that he punched up dozens of tickets knowing that we'd sell them all. And suffice it to say, the people that worked at Village Music and our friends were sitting in the first two rows for that entire run of shows at the, at the Palladium. I went to about four of them myself and sat in the first couple rows for all of them. So Ron was great with that machine and a fantastic photographer. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he was a good guy to know in those days if he needed concert tickets, no doubt. And again, I, this worked out so perfectly because he was not originally supposed to do the whole book. But what happened is is that, you you know, clearing photos is expensive and a big pain in the ass when you're sure. going to sell a book. And when I sent him up to uh, my editor, I said, look, Ron's going to have a lot of great shots. You should take a look. And she called me. She said, you know what? Not only only are they great shots but they haven't really been published and he obviously it shows you guys he's got shots candid shots of me from like 83 she's like you're obviously known each other and all this stuff ties together she said i think i'm going to have him do the whole book if you're okay with it and i said great let's keep it under one umbrella uh it makes it uh, great there's only a couple shots in there that aren't his some of the candidates obviously are just shots you know hand hand a camera to a buddy and say snap this i'm with this guy um but there's a couple shots in there that he did didn't have too much on Thin Lizzy, so we licensed that shot. A, a very legendary photographer, Mark Weiss, did a photo in there that I love of me and a bunch of guys from a few years ago at a VH1 event. It's Ace, it's Slash, Rob Zombie, all these guys. So he was nice enough to let me use that. And another guy named Kevin, Kevin Hodap uh, gave a couple photos to the cause as well that he had. But by and large, 99% of the book is one guy, and he did a, he did a great job. And i got to give credit to Abrams, the publisher, because the layout and the quality quality of the book at that price point, which is 20 or under, is pretty crazy. You, that's a lot of books yeah, for that insane. money. 
Um, particularly with all these photos, they go, they take you way up. That's what I said to people. If you don't like me, if you don't like me or want to even, don't even give a shit about reading my stories, just flipping through that and having those photos for, I mean, Amazon was selling the book for like $11 on sale is you can't get a magazine like that for that money. Now this, the author's picture here in the back is oddly sexy though. It's a lounging kind of thoughtful. It almost says, welcome to my bedroom. Yeah. (laughs) That's shot on the set of that metal show. And right to the left or right of me is probably Don or Jim, so that's the last thing I'm thinking about. Oh, I thought for sure. It's a come Heather look. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know that shot. I look angry in that shot, actually, I think. but Here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're on Hey, Eddie, I want to thank you. I can finally see these front row shots that I waited online for but couldn't get because of you, you bastard. <laughs> wasn't me. It was the photographer. <laughs> yelling at him. I had nothing hey, to do with me. No, no, no. I was working in radio even back then. I got free tickets. I didn't buy them. Oh, okay, cool. Where did you used to see most of your shows when you were growing up, Eddie? What? With theater? Well, again, anything in New Jersey and New York. I mean, uh, that's the other thing people looking through that have seen. In the the local area, they're like, oh, my God, you know, I was at that show or whatever. But uh, whether it was – I mean, I would come into the city all the time. I've lived in Jersey my whole life, but 45 minutes from Manhattan. So, you know, all the usual venues here, the Garden, the old Palladium. I used to love going to the Palladium, which is now an NYU building, I think. But the Palladium I loved. I loved going to the old Ritz. Uh, that was great. I saw so many great shows there. And then anything in Jersey, uh, Convention Hall in Asbury Park, the Meadowlands, obviously, um, a- a- any of those venues. But uh, the lot of that stuff. And Lamore in Brooklyn, which is what the cover photo is from. What's funny about that, Ronnie, like I said, that's 87, an Anthrax show. And I had just introduced the band, and that shot was taken. And I've heard from three people who have found themselves in that photo. From, Is that right? from almost 28 years ago, that they they picked up the book and they're looking at the cover and they're like, "Holy, sh- holy, oh!" And then they look inside and they see Anthrax, Lemoris, he said, "That's me," mm. you know. And it's really cool because those people buy like 10 copies to give them to their family and friends, so it helps sales. <laughs> the really scary thing is this is when I started radio, and I've done stand up in front of audiences who look just like that, <laughs> except for angrier. They weren't throwing shit, <laughs> yeah. were they? Yeah. Um, John, you're on Rana Fez. Yeah, I want to get Eddie Trunk's opinion on uh, Black Earl Douglas's uh, book, uh, Black Rock Coalition. Um, it's very interesting you picked, uh, you brought that up. Uh, as you know, Black Earl's book, which is... I had him on my show to promote it. Um, he just says he's going off the grid. He just tweeted this. He needs to deal with some life changes. One of them involves Black Rock Volume 1. Due to circumstances totally beyond my control, I may have to pull the hard, soft cover version out of circulation. I'm still trying to salvage it, so this could easily change. Black Earl Douglas, off the grid. (laughs) For once, I'm even speechless. I don't know what's happened. I don't know what's happened either. I mean, I invited Earl to come to the party at the Hard Rock tomorrow I'm night. Hoping, I'm hoping he's there. I hope he comes as well. And, uh, you know, his book was very much like mine, a passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, no question. Can he have a little chair next to yours and sign his? Well, here's the thing. He did his signing. Remember, we were all over there. It's a blast. You're going to have a, go, a long way to have your party nicer than his. Let me tell you something, John. Yeah. And this is no joke. Johnny told me that Earl had a hell of a party. And listen... 
I, all credit to Johnny because this party's happening solely because of Johnny's generosity and the hard rock. They're throwing it, okay? So I, it was, you know, it wasn't going to happen for me unless that happened. But Johnny told me that Earl had people that come in and really threw a party they for him. They threw a lot of cash around. There was like the car outside that people could look at. They had that deal. And then I saw Johnny get one of these from Earl's lady. <laughs> a little something for a pocket. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I, I, I can't. What? I, I, I mean, I'm just Johnny's going to put out a little beer and wine, and I'm lucky if I, maybe there's some salsa chips and chips. But I mean, I hear Earl had a spread. Oh, yeah, I need to get big. with his people. We'll yeah. only judge you by the gift bags. There were like <laughs> naked models that were acting like they were statues, and yeah, everybody in Earl's thing left with headphones, ninety dollar headphones. Really? Yes, you got a bag with headphones in them. I can almost only promise you everybody is going to leave my signing with maybe a little bit of a beer buzz and yeah. a book. And that's pretty much the best I can offer for the uh, party at the Hard Rock tomorrow night. Uh, when people want to get this, where would you send them? Well, you can Amazon is, is selling it on sale, and uh, you can get it pretty much through them. It's great. But all traditional bookstores have it. Barnes & Noble, Borders, wherever you can still find a bookstore, the indie bookstores. It's in stores everywhere now. Um, as as proven by the signings I'm going to do at these stores and and Amazon or any of the online outlets. Well, we're all proud of you. I think there's nothing cooler than getting a book out. Particularly Thank you, man. When you've had the kind of career that you've had, then you could say, "Look, here it is. Put it in your hands. I've been to all these things. I know these guys." Because radio, I'm sorry, it's sandcastles. You do it. The show's <laughs> over. Yeah, it's it's done. But to have this that you can say to people here. This is, you know, for you now, a life's work. A yeah, life's work. well, and it, it was a lot more work than I ever thought it was going to be. It took a couple years, and unlike radio, which is so immediate, right. that was a hard thing to do because some of that stuff, it's like you, you do it and you're like, when's it coming out? And it's like, well, it's six months at the printer. It's six months. The thing gets printed in China. It's this whole process. Yeah. I want it. I know radio. It's like I say it two seconds later, the phone right. lights up, you know. But it is it is an amazing thing to have uh, have done. It's something I always wanted to do. Someday I hope to do a full-on autobiography. But this is kind of a hybrid of a lot of different things. And so far, people who have seen it and read it love it. So I'm grateful. All right, next book, I want to be a blurb. I want to be back here with uh, you. got it. These guys. Done deal. You guys uh, have always been great to me. That's the least I can do. You're on O&A tomorrow? Yeah. I'm having, I have not been on their show like, since I think NEW. So. NEW, great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. The boys are back together. Yeah. We'll see you guys back in here tomorrow. Make sure you listen to Eddie on with O&A tomorrow uh, morning. Too. Uh, that's the Ed Dubai Show. Dong. This has been the Ron and Fez Show. If you missed any or all of it, check out the Ron and Fez replay. Weekdays at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. Sirius 197, XM 202, The Virus.